The wait is over. Is over. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Binge Buster Show. What a tremendous show we have in store for you this week. Um, as I had been telling people, everybody's been asking, when are you going to have a, a live guest on the show? And Man, tonight I am knocking it out of the park with this guest. Uh, I absolutely cannot wait to get this story. I've known this guy for, golly, probably longer than uh, I, I care to remember because it's been forever. But, man, um, it's, it's going to be an exciting show. You fans are going to absolutely love it. And uh, we are going to uh, be um, telling some great stories and, and having some laughs and uh Maybe some tears in between, but it's going to be great. So before I get started, I want to bring in my co-host, uh, co-conspirator, co-wingman, uh, you you name it, he is there. I am talking about none other than Chris Plano. Chris, what is going on? Oh my gosh, terrific, Tony. I am fired up about tonight's program. I cannot wait. We're going to talk a little rock, a little wrestling, maybe a little whole lot of wrestling. And when you told me Corey Edsel was on the show tonight, you know I was going to miss this for the world. Corey, welcome. We're glad you're here. Tony, thank you for having me. We're ready to roll tonight. We are ready to go. And like Chris says, welcome to the show, Corey Edsel. Corey, what is going on, my friend? Wow. Well, you know, you said you had to bring back live guests. I, I, I guess, you know, beats dead guests. So that's pretty cool. Thanks for having me. I could have been a dead guest, you know, um, with my history. We'll get into that a little bit later. But thank you. Thank you, both of you, for, for having me. I appreciate it. Man, we're, we're glad to have you on the show. And, uh, man, each week, uh, Chris and I, we, we uh, try to tell some great old stories uh, featuring Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling and uh, – you know what? A uh, better way to, uh, to 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 bring in Mid Atlantic than one of the Mid Atlantic uh, area's biggest uh, independent stars. I mean, man, back in the day, uh, if if you went online and you just googled your name, man, it pulled up everywhere. I mean, you were like a, a CWF Mid Atlantic champion. Um, you had that. You had that belt. Uh, you also um, uh, was. Um, uh, Johnny Weaver Cup winner mm-hmm. at one yep, time. The, so the, uh, the first one, the invitation, the uh, inaugural invitational. Oh, very that nice. Cool. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. You can't beat that. So, uh, so and of course, as as we do the podcast, we'll get more into that. But before we get into I story there, oh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> uh, before we get into Corey's story, Chris, the uh, the latest this the latest rumors we're hearing, uh, man. Uh, you and I are big Motley Crue fans, and over the weekend, Vince Neil uh, of Motley Crue uh, done a solo tour uh, in Iowa, and, uh, and it wasn't that great from what I hear. Tony, yes. Uh, I actually, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't realize Vince Neil was doing uh, solo dates this early. I actually heard he was a last-minute fill-in to Skid Row for one of the uh, performances that he did at a festival this weekend. Um, Vince obviously played the Motley Crue hits. He paid, played some of his solo hits. I think it was 13 or 14 song set in all. But the biggest thing was 
Um, the fan reaction just to, to Vince Neal. Um, obviously, we know the 2021 uh, stadium tour is postponed now to next summer, 2022. So Vince is picking up some solo bookings here. But uh, there was a little bit left to be desired, I heard, on the vocal end of some things. And the band behind them and, and uh, whether that's Vince's fault, band's fault, production fault, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, we need to tighten up some things here. And I actually heard a couple of videos and uh, um, wow, some parts were good and some parts were not so good. And hopefully this isn't a precursor of what's to come. Yeah, I hope not. Seeing how I've got like fifth row <laughs> seats to the <laughs> to the show. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, hopefully. Um and then the the next rumor that we that we've heard, or there, there's speculation that WWE might be uh, preparing for a sale. Uh, let's hope that's not the case. But uh, uh, it seems like uh, Vince is trimming the fat, so to speak. I mean, Tony, um, and I know Corey could probably weigh in a little more on this on this question than I can, but as far as a potential sale of WWE, I'm not really tuned in on, but I could tell you something I am tuned in on. There is definitely a cut in talent um, over the last, I would say, week within the World Wrestling Entertainment uh, Organization, and today some big names are let go, um, and I think there were some surprises, and I'm going to be honest with you, and, I, and I'll take your opinion on this. I don't know if anyone's job is safe at this point after the names that I saw come across the board today. And, you know, I'm thinking now, is the door half open from some other organizations out there like All Elite Wrestling, like TNA Wrestling? And what could happen? Because I think the I think this is going to get crazy here throughout this summer into the fall. And I think the landscape of the national professional wrestling scene, both here in the United States and across the globe, is going to look a whole lot different, I think, between now and the end of this year. I agree. Corey, what what, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, um, you know, obviously you got some good talent that got cut today. I, I think bronze money. Um, maybe not million dollar a year money, but he's definitely money. Uh, I think Tommy and Alistair Black's money, so somebody will pick him up. Uh, Buddy Murphy's money if, if you put him in the right spot, but a Ruby Riot too, you know. Um, Santana Garrett, I've never really watched her work, I, I, I've been around her, but I've never really watched her work. But, um, there's only so much money to go around, right? Um, only Tony Khan's only gonna spend so much money, Impact only has so much, you know. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, New Japan is, is a possibility, but do they want to go to New Japan? Um, you know, it, it it may, you know, but the, the whole thing with Vince is I always thought that he was never going to pass the company down. Um, it's always been a, been a thing that the company will die with Vince, period. He yeah. would not give it to Steph. He would not give it to Shane. He wouldn't give it to Triple H. It seemed like they were going in that direction. And all of a sudden, here comes the NBC deal. I think the catalyst was, um, you know, ESPN buying the footage last year during COVID. They bought the footage. It did well. ABC's like, hey, you know, you, you guys want to make a, you know, would you sell it to us? We're like, well, not, you know, and then here comes NBC. Here comes Disney. 
you can't turn them all down. You're eventually going to take one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Vince isn't getting younger. So maybe he's ready to retire. He's a workaholic, man. He don't want to do it. You know, I, I mean, he's a workaholic. He'll find something to do, obviously, but. I just feel bad. I mean, I'm sure Triple H will have a job. I'm sure Stephanie will have a job and Shane and all those guys, but it, I don't know if it'll be the same. So the landscape's going to change, but I don't think for the better. No. Um, AEW maybe, you know, yeah. but uh, one that's of the, about it. Well, I think one of the things that caught my eye as far as realizing something's about to change was I saw where Triple H had sold a lot of his shares in the company, Yeah, and I'm like, that's weird. Why would yep. somebody, the executive, want to start selling off shares? An executive vice president. Yeah. And then. Does he need money? No, he doesn't need money. He's fine, right? Right. And then after that, I see uh, the WWE Network is going now to NBC. And, mm-hmm. of course, all the stuff that I paid for is now no longer on there, which is the old yep. classic NWA and territory stuff. That's gone now. So, um Right now, I, I am still a subscriber, but I'm probably going to going to get rid of it because there's nothing on there that I really care to see. Because, um, you know, a couple, you know, a few months back, I went to WrestleMania, but it just wasn't the the pomp and circumstance of WrestleMania's past, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I know it has a lot to do with COVID. I get that, but just the wrestling scene is just like to me. You know, used to when you go to a big live wrestling event, you know, you you had the you had the low carters and the mid carters, but then you had them superstars. When I went to WrestleMania, it's like everybody was on the same level. It seemed like yep. you know, yep, and um, that was on purpose. There there are no more marquee wrestlers. John Cena's the last one. Right, right, and that yeah. to me that 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 just makes it hard for me to be invested because they're all the same. You know, you know, you know, Tony, if I could say. You know, what's happening in professional wrestling now at a national and worldwide level is is unprecedented. You know, for the talent, they have options at this point. They have more options today than they ever have. And you would never think we'd be talking about this post-COVID-19 pandemic at all. I mean, okay, I get cut by WWE. There's AEW, there's TNA, there's New Japan Pro Wrestling. You're talking promotions that have national exposure where in the past you got cut by WWE and Corey could probably agree with me. You're going to the independents pretty much. Which, which is not a bad thing now because there's not. so much money on the independents. Now. Right. It's insane. Right. The question is how long he give it going. But I think right. these guys have more options now than ever. And whether WWE is recognizing this or not, or, or, or what's happening, um, you know, there's definitely a con storyline going on behind the scenes between AEW and WWE, between the two con last names mm-hmm. that's silently, um, you know, taking a whole story of itself. But there's a lot going on. And I think the landscape here in the next six months is going to look drastic by the time we get through the end of this year. I, I really do, and it's. I think it's going to be a wild roller coaster ride uh, ahead of us. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree, a hundred percent. Now moving on to our main topic, which is Corey Etzel's story. Oh uh, wow, thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we were you know before we went on. I air, could talk about that other stuff for hours. You crazy? Oh yeah, I, I could too for sure. Um, 
But one one of the cool things uh, that I want to say is I, I remember the first time that Corey and I met, uh, Kurt Solo, a good friend of mine that I've known since middle school, was running a little little territory in my old hometown of Thomasville, North Carolina, a town that Chris used to sell out every month. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, but but uh, he had that little flea market gimmick deal going on in there, and uh, and and man, he had uh, you know he had all kind of uh, start out with you know his own little wrestlers that he trained himself in his backyard on a mattress. Shoot, that's that's the truth. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and he rented my you know, and of course a lot of people may Corey, you may not know this, and Chris, I know you do, but uh, I had a training center in Lexington, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so he would um, rent out my training center for like, you know, a couple hours or whatever, bring his guys in and, you know, they would train. And, um, and I'll never forget. He had this, uh, the one guy, Corey, you may remember this guy, but uh, I'm trying to remember his name, but he, he was, the kid was redheaded and he had Johnny like, suicide. Yes, Johnny Suicide. And <laughs> I, I'll knew, never, I knew that's yeah, what you yeah, were going for. I'll never forget. He walked into my training Brother. he walked into my training center and he was like a kid that just either A got laid for the first time or just got an Xbox <laughs> for the first time. I don't know which one. But he's like, Oh, this is so cool. I've never been in a real ring before. But I've been training for a year. I'm like, Oh, okay. Have fun. Tony left. Give me your fifty bucks <laughs> before you get in my ring. Give me fifty bucks. But um, but not nah, um, but 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 that that's kind of how they got their start. And uh, but then Kurt calls me up and he goes, "Hey, I got a ring." Um, because by this time I was going through a, a bad divorce, and um, I blamed uh, I blamed wrestling on my divorce when I really should have just blamed myself and my nation because I was a big nature wreck there. Um, I was married, but my wife wasn't kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, um, but, but I blame wrestling because wrestling was my connection to the, to the females that I wasn't supposed to be with, but I was. And, um, so I blame wrestling for it. So I took a year off. I didn't wrestle. I still had my gear and, um, I sold my ring to Bruiser Graham, uh, and, uh, I was done and sat home for a year and self pity. And then I realized, you know what, there's I don't need to, to, to beat myself up or wear the scarlet letter uh, because I screwed up my marriage. I just need to go on about my day. And Kurt calls me up and says, hey, uh, Tony, I, I got this uh, building in Thomasville. He goes, but uh, he goes, I need your mind because you've got a great mind for wrestling. you got a great mind for angles. I've got a, I got a few guys that are, are I'm trained. I've trained myself, but I got this crew coming in from CWF and they're really good, but but I, I want you to be like my behind the scenes, you know. Uh, I I guess I was kind of like his um, um, Pat Patterson kind of thing, his you producer. know. His yeah. Producer, yeah, yeah, number one know, producer. Because he was like me; he was burnt out on running running the show, but he wanted to own it. But he wanted me to help, you know, put the matches together and uh, come up with angles and so. So what he would do, he would make gear, and while he was making gear, I was writing out scripts and and matches, and then he, yeah, let's do that, but no, let's don't do that, and and uh, you know, uh, matter of fact, one time in the uh, in our one of our little production meetings, I came up with the gimmick Charlie Brown, and uh, and nobody even heard Charlie Brown in twenty years, and then it got over, but mm-hmm. um, but but that but but that is where I first met Corey, and I walked in, and uh, and Corey and I had talked about this offline, but 
uh, in the wrestling business, you, you run into a lot of people and you're like, hey, brother, how you doing? You never really talk to him again. Or you're on the same show, but you never speak to him. But as soon as Corey and I first met, we were like instantaneously friends. We were like, you know, talking and, and I, and, and I thought Corey was way older than he was. And <laughs> I think some 50. Yeah. Uh, I, well, when I thought I, I, at the time, I think I was like 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Corey was like, you know, 28 or 29. And then Corey was like, what, 19 then or 18? Uh, no, I would have been 16. 16. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was like, you're, what, wait a minute, you're, you're how old? But I got to cut you off. That's not the first time we met. Oh, it's not. The first time we met. Uh, you ran a show in High Point at the Boys and Girls Club. Okay. And you brought in Boogie. Yep. And you brought in a ton of his graduates, right? Yes. All these ass, you, I mean, it was like 20 matches on the card, I think, right? Yep. So you had you had Kamikaze Kid on it. You had Cyrus on it. Chris Collins, Levi. You probably remember half of these guys being on the show. Foxy Roxy was your referee. Like, you had all this talent on your show, and they, they were just starting, right? Uh-huh. And they were going out there and doing every damn thing they could do. And got no reaction. Um, you guys were last, obviously, because it was like you and Boogie. I think it was a tag match. And I don't remember. But me and Curtis wrestled before intermission. Okay. And me and Curtis went out for five minutes. This was December 2001. December 15, 2001. I might be a little picky on the date. Yep. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Um, but me and Curtis went out for five minutes. And we got over huge. And the rest of the show was fine. Yeah. But for that first, the first half, like the first seven matches, nothing. And they were doing dives to the floor. They were like crash landing on the floor, like all that crazy stuff. Yeah. And me and Curtis just went, I was like, I was like, I'm just going to be Terry Funk. I was, is that, is that okay? And Curtis is like, I don't give a shit. Do what you want. Right. Right. I was just, we'll just call it out there. So we went out for five minutes, got over. And when we came to the locker room, you're like, you know how to work? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, you're the only one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, and that, that was it. Like, I forgot that, about we, that. We ran yeah. into each other, you know, um, doing the um, doing the Thomasville flea market show. Yep. And, uh, you know, of course, we bonded there more. Uh-huh. But that was kind of the first thing you said to me, like, okay, now I know why Curtis wanted to work with you. That makes sense. Because yeah. I think you guys did a tag match, too, or some, something um, like that. So he I, worked twice. Yeah, I think on that night, it was, uh, it was me and um, – yeah, it was me and my cousin Mark. No, it was it. Yeah, no, it it was me, uh, and Curtis against Mark and Boogie. That's what it that's was. That's it. Yep, yep. yep that's, that's what it, it was. And yep. uh, and uh, Mark Mark done all kind of crazy stuff. He always did, but mm-hmm. um, but uh, smart Mark Michaels. Remember him? Yep, that's I do. Was. I worked yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, that's him. <laughs> it um, wasn't a match for the smart marks. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it was uh, uh, that's right. We did. I, I forgot about that. But then, yeah. uh, but then when Curtis started running that flea market, we you know uh, we we bonded there and uh, and uh, we had some really good times in that building and uh, uh, it was just a, a fun time. And uh, uh, TNT is still one of my favorite tag teams. By oh the way. yeah, like, and, it's still and the and the match you guys had on the fly. Like I don't know who was late. I don't know if it was you or Trent. But literally, you guys are going out there in sweatpants and having a twenty-minute match. Like oh, that, that was the most hilarious thing in the world because it was so good. It was. It, it, it was actually Trent was late. He showed okay. up, and when he got there, he's like, "Dude, I just got here." I'm like, "Well, I'll just put my my." Because at the time, I had them. I, I used to wear those Zubas snake yes, skins. Yes, that's it. And I put them on, and we went out there and had a match. I don't, I don't remember who we worked that night, but but I remember it was each other. 
you had a singles match against each other because you'd split. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yep. right. That's right. Yeah, he showed up. I don't remember all this. Yeah, stuff that's now, that's so crazy because yeah. I forgot. I forgot about that we split. Yeah, what happened was he got fired because he 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 didn't make a couple of the shows and Kurt it, stripped yeah. us of the belts, and mm -hmm. then he I was babyface and he came in as a heel. That's that's what mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and what was so cool was that, uh, that tag team like. Curtis told me, he goes, Tony, I got this guy. His name's Tony, too, but it, excuse me, but he goes by Trent. And I'm thinking about putting you guys together as TNT. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. And at the time, I was still kind of a mark of, of Hollywood, <laughs> the Hollywood Blondes. And I wanted to use the Hollywood Blondes music. Yep. And yep. Curtis was like, no, you guys are going to use TNT. It'll be over. I'm like, this shit sucks. I want to do Hollywood Blondes, <laughs> you know? And then we started going out there and doing, like, ripping off Freebird. We were doing, like, the Freebird strut and we was moonwalking and tripping over each other and just making it funny. And lo and behold, we were heels, but we were over and we didn't even know it uh, yep. until the night that we worked Unod. And then, and then Randy Hedrick, God bless his soul, looks over at me and he goes, Brother, you're a, you're a baby face. You, you, you guys can't heal no more. And then the next week we come out and we and we went working you nod and the and the fans were booing us and and uh, and Randy says to me he goes damn brother I don't know who's more confused me or the fans <laughs> 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 but but Randy was great man I miss him so much he was so funny the voice of ACW man he was the voice of everything let's let's just be honest oh, he was yeah. the he was the voice of the Carolina Independence man just mm -hmm. period um, dude I I. I don't remember. I probably handful of shows around here that he wasn't doing. Right. At, uh, yeah. You know, at that period of time. So, yeah. He was I mean, everywhere. He just loved it. Like it was his, like music was his first passion. Mm -hmm. And then wrestling, you know, for some reason, none of us can explain it, but we all have that passion for it and we do it. And it's crazy. But I'll, I'll, man, he spent so much money on those pictures. Uh huh. Like he would get them developed back then. It's like, man, these kids today don't know. They call themselves photographers. They don't fail print mm -hmm. shit. They just no. print digital. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's the end of it. He was one going to Kmart or Walmart, yep. getting them de developed and then send them out to people and put them in the mailbox. And yeah, it was crazy. I'll never forget one of the best comments I heard of, I heard of him. Was I was in the back one night. You may have been part of this conversation, but Scotty Matthews, Malachi, was over there, and and Randy was in the ring doing a promo with Kurt Solo and some guys, and he says to me, he says, man, I wish Randy was better looking because he'd get a job in WCW because he's yep. got a great voice. Yep. And uh, yep. he was like, his voice don't match his looks. <laughs> he nope. always said that. And I'm sure like, does yeah. not. I'm like, yeah. Now, uh, Chris, whenever you were running NDW, did, um, did yes. Randy Hedrick ever come in and ring announce for you at all? Um, he did, I believe, a couple of times. Uh, it very wasn't often. Randy was around. Um, but hey, what a, he was a great guy for the business. I mean, he was there for everyone, whether you were a promoter, manager, worker, referee, fan. I mean, I mean, there was never a bad thing to say. He was there for everyone, I think. And he just loved the local professional wrestling scene. And, um, you know, he was in at an interesting time. I mean, just, you know, wrestling on a national level was crazy. And and even, you know, up, up to the days, you, you know, uh, of his unfortunate death, he was always there. He was always there. I mean, in some way, shape or form. And uh, um, great guy, has some great conversations with him and um, um, had a lot of knowledge for the business. He really did. Um, and the music industry. And, oh, yeah. As well. Huge. Um, you know, Bobby, we, we would always before. try to pop Randy. That, we, we, we would always try to pop Randolph. If you got that, right. oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, you know, did some. And uh, you know, I, I, I just, I just think, you know, when, when, I, when I think of him, you know, he just always wanted just to be a part of what was happening and what was going on, and um, whether he was directly involved, indirectly involved, partially involved, however you want to word it. He just wanted to be a part of it because he knew it was something great that was happening. And he was passionate about this area uh, as well. I, I think that was really near and dear to him, to, to his heart. Well, you know, um, he saved my life one night. Shoot, for real. Oh. We were in Thomasville at the flea market. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, uh, we brought in Jimmy Valiant. And uh, we were playing it up that, you know, I just graduated from Jimmy Valiant's wrestling camp a few years prior and that we were going to bring in Jimmy Valiant and give him the Lifetime Achievement Award of NDW. And um, and I was presenting... EW. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, NDW. See, I'm, I'm yeah, getting the ends confused. You're trying, you're trying to stooge Plano off. Sorry, stop sorry, that. sorry, Plano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in NEW, and we brought him in, and um, I turned on him. I I give him, I give him the, the award, and while he's got the award, I turn around, I go in my tights, I pull out the loaded glove, Boom, knock him out, right? And in that little flea market, Chris, really there shouldn't have probably been like but maybe fifty people in that little building. Oh, if that, yeah. And there was like a hundred and fifty. I mean, that there was there was nowhere to sit. Everybody was standing, but there was Boogie a, Nights. That was the name Boogie of Boogie Nights, yes. Uh, but right there in the uh by the door, uh, you know, I'm I, I put the uh knock Boogie out, I put the boots to him, and Brian uh from Fair Warning and Rob McBride come out to make the save and I jump out of the ring. And as I jump out of the ring, Randy, Randy, like I was going to go around the ring towards the dressing room and Randy grabs me and pulls me over to his, you know, over by him. And I'm like, Randy, what are you doing? And he goes, brother, brother, the door, he's got a knife. Don't walk that way. And I'm like, what? And I look over there and, and, and the guy, the guy looks at me, sorry. The guy looks at me and says, I'll kill you, son of a bitch. And I was like, Whoa, um, that's, that's crazy. Awesome. Yeah, Tony, Tony, you had some, you had some heat, Tony. If I may ask, yeah, and I know, and I know, we talked about Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant. Was that the night? Was that your best shot on that you took it? You were going to lay him out for the rest of his career. Was yeah. that it? Or that's, that's, it? that's what I said. Of, of all, you know, I, mean, I said this. That was it. I said the same thing every night I wrestled him. Tonight, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna retire this guy tonight. You know. And, uh, and then he paid him at the end of the night. And then night, the I paid him and he said, and I paid him. And then he says to me, Hey brother, we're going to get eggs in the morning at that place in Thomasville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we go get breakfast the next morning before he went off to the boogies camp. But, and, you paid for it. and I paid for it and I paid for it. Oh, uh, I've got something here. I want to show you guys. Um, as we're talking about Jimmy, Van, I know the fans at home can't see this, but I want Chris and them to see this. Cause this is pretty cool stuff. So I got this the other a couple weeks ago, but Boogie was on uh, high spots, and I got one of the Charlie Brown hoods. That's (laughs) awesome. And of course, he's all he autographed one side says Charlie Brown. Yep. And then the other side, very nice, is Jimmy Valiant. Well, I thought that was his uh, friend from out of town. Why is he signing? Well, I think he decided to sign it because he said he, he was cool. He met him in jail. Right, he's cool with him. Signed his <laughs> checks too, right? Yeah, and then yeah. they sent me this cool thing. Um, nice promo there picture of of him holding the mask Look and signing. That. I knew that's what he was going to be. That's awesome. Really cool stuff. 
And uh, but they were, you know, you know, if if anybody is a boogie mark, it's me. You know, I've always been a boogie mark since I was ten years old. And um, they were they were running. Uh, they had him on the high spots, um, uh, virtual gimmick table gimmick thing there. And uh, he was uh, he had the mask. And uh, I said, I'm I'm gonna outbid everybody. I don't care. I'm a, I'm gonna buy this hood. So I'm bidding and bidding, and, and Boogie's live, and, and they're going, oh, Tony Benz just uh, bid. And Boogie's like, brother, <laughs> and he pointed to the camera. He knew, uh, you know, he knew right away who I was, and uh, I thought that was really cool. And uh, so, but but the, 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 the thing I really wanted, but it was too far reach for me, but they he had the red boots that he wore with Charlie Brown. But the start bid on that was minimum twenty five hundred, so I was Ooh, I was about twenty three hundred dollars yeah. short on <laughs> on getting those. So, uh, but uh, from what I hear, I think they went back to Boogie's camp. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Tony, if if I could say wow, and I don't know if you sent it to Corey or not earlier today, I, I don't know. But man, that that TikTok video you sent me earlier today with Boogie and from May eighty six. Oh yeah, with, with, with the Raging Bull manufacturing. I mean Boogie. Yes, fired up. He talking about they're taking this whole thing through the Great American Bash '86 yes. with Pistol Pez Watley and Paul Jones, and I got uh, uh, Manny Fernandez, the Bull, by my side. The B and B Corporation. I mean, dude, that was hot, dude. That was like main event material right there. I mean, Boogie was just so fired up; it didn't even matter, man. I mean, yep. the money was just flowing in, and when he said, and I love that interview. But Boogie said, we're taking this to every city on the bash. I mean, that just brings, mm. I mean, like goosebumps. I mean, oh, that's yeah. like crazy yeah. stuff. And, and you know, I, I know I know, Chris, you and I have talked about this on the podcast before, but I want to incorporate Corey on this one. That right there is one of the lost arts in professional wrestling today. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks that they can go on Facebook, post a picture of, of a card, and everybody's going to come. Right. Nobody, yeah. nobody knows how to draw people in off of a promo. Mm-hmm. They uh, try to draw people in off of a poster, and you you can't do that. I mean, no. it, it helps, but but back in the eighties, Jimmy Valiant, Ric Flair, Dusty Rose, Rockland Express, those guys didn't have to do nothing. They could talk you into a building. Yeah, you know, I'm, okay. I, 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 yeah. you know, I, I used to watch that old stuff, and I'm like. Oh God! I gotta go buy a ticket. Oh shit! Wait a minute. That was nineteen eighty-five. You know, because even now I still want to go buy a ticket and watch it. Well, there's a lost art to the matches too, because the matches were promos. Yeah, I, I don't think guys understand that that right. their three four minute match wasn't a match. It was a promo. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, they were doing a music video, so you see what you were paying to see. You know, when you saw the Rock and Roll and the Andersons, you knew, oh man, they're gonna get all their shit in. Yeah, right. like boom, boom, double drop kick. Then we get all that double team, boom, boom, boom. That that's a promo. Um, guys do not know how to work matches like that. Um, no, period. Not they have all. too much pride, and they think I've got to get my shit in. Mm-hmm. And it's not about getting your shit in; it's about making money. Right. Um, I don't know. Did you see that little silly promo I I put up last week for the match with Bobby Yella by chance, Tony? No, I, I missed it. I'll okay. check it out. It wasn't nothing to it. Um, it was just me being a smart ass, honestly. Like he did a little promo and we set up, you know, set up the match in Burlington. Cause that was the first time I wrestled in Burlington in five years. Oh, nice. Um, so I thought it would be pretty cool. I didn't think it would be special. I just thought it was gonna be my first match there in five years. It was special to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I cut that promo, man, and I'm getting I'm getting messages from everybody. Like that that's what brought Stutzy back. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, Stutzy, you want to do this? He's like, yeah, let's do it, man. Like, it, it took him five seconds to agree to it. And Stutzy hadn't wanted to do anything in years. Right, yeah. And that's what got him in it. You know, just that silly little promo I cut in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because it was, it's like Stutzy said, like, it it was authentic. Like, that was my real voice. I didn't get silly. I did, you know, it was a little silly. But I didn't get really, like, overly dramatic. Bobby, uh-huh. like, I didn't do that. I was just like, dude, you calling me out in your promo voice? I mean, you know, kind of broke kayfabe just a little bit. Right. But it's 2021. Everyone does it, except uh-huh. for Tony Binge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, just that little silly thing. And, man, I was getting messages from workers like, hey, I'm going to go pay to watch that. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, it's just going to be a short thing. You don't have to pay. To- no, 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 no. We're going to pay to watch it. And, dude, DW and Lee Valiant were the main event. Nice. Damian Wayne and Lee Valiant were the main event, but people wanted to come see me wrestle. Like that, that was pretty cool. I feel like I talked them into the building without doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. But back, that's back to your point. Yeah. I mean, that that's what I'm saying. That it's, it's such a lost art today. Nobody, nobody does that. Or they'll, like you said, they'll get on Facebook and cut this, you know, 10 minute promo and go all over the place. And, you know, and it, they, they, and, they, they lose you because it's two. All you need, two minutes or less. Keep it under two, brother. Get them in the building, and uh, then when you get them in the building, then you can talk more. But get them mm-hmm. in the building first, you know. Uh, kind of one of the things Boogie always taught me, he says, don't give them everything now. Give mm-hmm. it to them later. You know, yep. make them come out, make make them want more. Um, yep. And and that, that right there is like one of the things that drives me nuts. Uh, you know, a lot of times I get on Facebook and I laugh. Or um, now I saw something on Facebook today, and I'm not going to say no names, but um, I've never been a really big guy until now. Thirty in my forties now, I'm a little overweight. But growing up in the wrestling business when I first started, man, I was tiny. I was I, I'll be the first to tell you I probably shouldn't have been in the ring a lot of times because I was mm-hmm. the referee was bigger than me. But um, I, I worked hard. I did everything I could do. But everything I did, I, I tried to make it as believable as possible. But I saw uh, a video on Facebook today of this guy that's about 150 pounds, and he was hulking up like Hogan, and no selling shots. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, if you did that, sure I saw it too. I'm like, if you did that to me, you'd have mm-hmm. a, you'd have, you'd have a you'd have a bloody nose because yep. the only person can get away with that is Hulk Hogan. If yep. if you, if you're 150 pounds and you're getting pounded by a 190 or 210 pound man, and all of a sudden you're going no sell. Mm-hmm. We, we it wasn't we, just a, it, it was a, it, he didn't even register. It. Right. Yeah. That's like, what he I'm didn't saying. even register what he was doing. And, right. and, you know, that's okay. A lot of times you like, got bigger, like me. Yeah. Um, I won't necessarily sell everything, but register it. Right. Um, register like this it. Guy, I know. I saw the video. I know. You exactly saw the video. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and, uh, you know, and, and a lot, a lot of people think this guy is like the best thing since sliced bread, but yeah, I'm not being mean here. This is my podcast. I can say what I want, but the guy's never really impressed me. Uh, I don't. I don't know why. I, maybe it's because the first time I saw him, he was wearing um, um, Halloween plastic zip-up wrestling boots. <laughs> maybe. Um, oh wow! I remember those. <laughs> maybe. That, maybe that's what. And 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 if any of you guys at home want to be a wrestler and you want to dress like that guy, you can get them on. You you can get those same boots on eBay for twenty bucks. Uh, but now they're going to fall apart and they're going to break your ankles and 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 you're going to look like you're not going to look like a wrestler. You're going to look like a cosplay. But anyway, um, but but I'm trying. To, I'm getting off subject here. But something like that drives me nuts. For and and I look back at guys like us three that have spent twenty plus years um, trying to, to trying to do this 
the best of our ability, and you got somebody that's come in like that crapping on it, it just pisses me off. Well, what drives me nuts is you have these guys who are going out there, they're putting themselves over really huge and whatever. I, I never really did that. Um, and then they're running wrestling schools. Right. It's like, who are you to run a wrestling school? I'll be honest with you. My first eight years, I had no idea what I was doing. I just pretended. Me too. Like I literally did whatever I did on TV, whatever I saw on TV or, or somebody, you know, like um, uh, Jerry Blackwell or mm-hmm. somebody like that or one man gang, bam, bam, Bigelow, those guys. I was like, okay, maybe I'll do that. But for some reason, I wanted to be Daniel Bryan. Uh, I wanted to be like a 500-pound Daniel Bryan. That's fine. <laughs> um, but uh, it's like the light bulb went off my eighth year listening to Al Snow. And Al Snow explained – he literally took wrestling. He broke it down to its fundamentals. And it's like it blew my mind how stupid I was. And I'm going to say stupid because I, I can't say dumb. It's like, whoa, mm-hmm. what do you – what do you mean? The, the object of the match is to try to win, try not to lose. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? That's the, that's what we're doing. And it's like everything builds on that. But nobody's trying to win matches. Nobody's even going for pins or submissions. They're just hitting their shit and going to the next thing or no selling it, going to the next thing. And but, I, I know that's what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the guys who are up top, maybe they don't know what they're doing. Right. They're just getting paid because of their looks. Yeah. Yeah. But that's where the producers should step in and be like, guys, look, like this isn't, but I don't, you know, I don't know much about how that works. I've never really been produced. I've been asked um, right. to do things, but I don't really know what entails that. They just kind of told me go in there and do, it, you know, like literally one time um, when I had my trial at FCW, FCW being the precursor to NXT, uh, Oksana was doing this horrible promo with like 10 dudes in the ring on, on a live show there at, the, at Steve Kern's building. And Dusty came out and Dusty looked at me and said, hey, uh, hey, big man, go on out there and uh, interrupt that promo, the little promo you did in class earlier today, okay? Just go do that thing and just tell them to end it. It's horrible. So I went out, there's a dog attacking me. Oh, um, no. So I went out and did the thing and uh, they all looked at me like, who told you to do that? I was like, Guys, what the hell? You think I'm just going to go through the curtain and cut a promo for because I'm an asshole or something? Like, right. Dusty told me to do it. But then I found out it was a rib. Uh, <laughs> Great, Dusty. He wanted to see if I'd actually do it. <laughs> and you did it. And I did it. You said, hey, you're. you're and I the, got hired. You're my boss. I'm listening <laughs> because, to what you tell because me. Because I went out there and did it. What's Dusty Rose, man? If Dusty Rose told me to go jump off a cliff, I was like, I'm sure there's a good reason for it. Right. Uh huh. I'll go do it. Sure. Okay. Sorry to go. No, that's that's great. I that, thought that was a funny. No, story. I love that. I love that because you know stories like that. That Dusty, you know, Dusty was such a ribber, and, and a, lot, a lot of people didn't know that. But 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 Dusty would do that kind of like you say, try you out to see. Okay, uh, if if I tell you to go out there, would would you know would like like I, I remember hearing hearing an interview one time. I don't remember who it was, but they they they, they said uh, if 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 the promoter asked you like like how bad do you want to be in this business? Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to be real bad. So. Me as a promoter, if I tell you I want you to go out there and wear a dress, would you do that to get over? Yeah, because you tell you're my boss. I do. It. Um, but then the other guys, but like, I'm not doing that. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. You ain't got a job here either because nope. I want somebody working for me that's going to do what I ask. You know. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, but but that but that's that, that that's a great story right there. Um, now uh, one of the other things that um I want to touch base on is um. You know, we talked about that, uh, and you just touched, you just kind of touched on the FCW thing. Um, tell us about your experience working FCW. 
Um, so that way, so I, I, I'll, I'll tell you the whole story. I, I had actually already quit the business. I quit in 2010. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, I'd hurt my back. Um, I'd hurt my back several times it's just because I, I was so big. Um, and I hurt my back and they had, they announced that they're having this camp at OVW. I was like, OVW, I've never got to work there. Um, so I paid the money. Uh, myself, Marcellus King, Lewis Moore, and uh, a cat. I can't remember Elliot's work name, but we all went together. We all drove up there. And uh, I was like, dude, I just want to work in Davis Arena. I don't, I don't give a shit about any of this other stuff. You know, it was mm-hmm. like a WWE tryout. I didn't care about any of that because I'm like, but I knew I've always known at right place, right time, I might have a chance. Right. I, I did always know that, but I never tried. Like, I never really tried to, to get picked up or be seen or anything like that. There's another dog coming after me. Hi. <laughs> First on the podcast, get attacked by dogs. Hey, there it is. Um, but um, It's usually rats for me. No, I'm just- <laughs> well, yeah, I know that. I got you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Can't save that, Chris, right? Um, yeah. Our guy. <laughs> oh, I know some stories about you, Chris. Oh! Uh, <laughs> that's, another, that's another one down the line. But uh, what happened was... We oh, wait, hey, wait. Someone else's attention. We got some other antennas that popped up over here. Uh-oh. Oh, Tony. <laughs> so, oh, no, I didn't mean to get you any heat. No, no, no. no. Oh, no. Oh. Tony, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you could see Chris's face right now, it would make the whole oh, thing. This would be the. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be my man. picture, for Chris. You uh, look at that. you talk about the cat that ate the canary right there. It is. <laughs> oh no! 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 You're gonna... oh, no. Sorry, I'm playing. This I'm was playing. years ago. If it's I'm any playing. consolation, I'm just playing. Decades ago. Yeah, yeah, decades ago. <laughs> It was last week, but it's fine. It's oh, wait, wait. Someone just chanted last weekend, maybe. Oh, last weekend. Oh, look out. Um, I, I told her Tony's looking for a wave or something. That I, yeah. I'm yeah. Sure the one that does the, the lines, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, we're teasing. We're teasing. We're having a good right, time. We're teasing over here. But, um, but, but, but so FCW – so, you, you, so you okay, so anyway, we're, we're at OVW first. Oh, OVW, you know, OVW used to be developmental. So they would do favors for Danny Davis to try to help him make money. Um, so John Laronitis would come do these camps randomly, um, and he would show up on Sunday. So on the Saturday, Cornette's there. Um, Cornette didn't like me. Cornette had seen me work before and really liked me, but for some reason he just didn't like me. But everybody else did. Um, Danny Davis, uh, Nick Dinsmore, who was Eugene. Yep. Uh, Mike Mondo, um, they liked me a lot. So the next day, I had done a six man tag. I mean, I didn't do I didn't do anything. I just took a couple bumps, whatever. Beat, you know, got some heat on guys, whatever. But um, oh, oh, Ken Wayne was there. Duh, I got to mention that Ken Wayne and, and Danny Davis, the nightmares, watched me work. Right. Um. So did that. Then the next day, it's like triple the amount of people. I guess because OVW had a house show the night before. Um, so they come. So everybody showed the next day because they want to get run John Laronitis. Thankfully, Cornette was not there because he doesn't like to be in the same building as John Laronitis because he hates him. So Danny Davis was kind of left to, to put the matches together. And uh, he's like, man, we got to do that same thing. Let, let's him, let him do the, let him do what he did, you know, because everybody else was getting cut down like, uh, you know, the Bollywood boys, uh, you know, they're, they're in WWE now. They were there. Or, uh, Gerb Sarah was there. 
Um, there, there was a lot of guys who ended up, ended up getting picked up. They were there, but they didn't get picked up at the time. Um, so he was very adamant, like, he gets his time. Like, he mm-hmm. doesn't get cut. Everybody else pretty much got cut. Um, so, it's like, he gets the same thing. We're going to do the same spots, you know, whatever. So, we did the exact same thing. And uh, then they started pulling people for promos. I'm, like, I'm not really good at promos. You know, I'm still nine years in, but I'm not really good at them. So... He's like, just give us a minute on something. Boom, boom, boom. Cut the minute. Um, I did it. I actually did a Jimmy Valiant promo, kind of like a Jimmy Valiant, Jerry Blackwell thing. Uh huh. And it worked. And uh, laryngitis comes up to me. Laryngitis. <laughs> laryngitis, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Laryngitis comes up to me after. He says, where are you from? And I said, uh, I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina. That's where I lived at the time. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, we'll be coming through there. Uh, you know, this was December. He said, we'll be coming through in February. We'll take a look at you. I was like, okay, cool. That's great. You know, if you pick up some extra bucks, whatever. I didn't think much about it. Uh-huh. Um, so he comes and has somebody come find me again. And I come down. He's like, eh, he's like, I changed my mind. He's like, oh, I want you, I really want you to come to the show tomorrow night. It was, in, it, yeah, they were running the KFC Yum Center. It's like the first show they had there in Louisville in that building. Mm-hmm. He's like, I really want you there tomorrow night. I was like, oh, sir, I've got, you know, these guys with me, I've got Marcellus Lewis, you know, those guys. He's like, Hmm. All right. All right. Well, all right. We'll, we'll just, we'll just plan for Greensboro. He's like, let me get your number. So he got my number. Five minutes later, I get this call from Johnny Laronitis. He's like, yeah, I changed my mind again. He's like, look, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get you a car, send the guys back in your car tonight. Just send them back. They can drive your car back. We'll get you a car. We'll get you a room. We want you at raw. Like, uh, I don't have a suit or anything. And I weighed 500 pounds at the time, guys. I don't know if you know how hard it is to find a suit for a 500-pound guy on, like, last-minute notice, but it sucked. Um, I, I don't even think I – I think he's going to get a shirt and pants or whatever. I don't think they really cared. Um, so, go the next day, sit around, do a lot of nothing. Luckily, Nick Densmore showed up. So, Nick Densmore was, like, telling me what to do. He's like, hey, he's like, make sure you're out there in front of him. Get your gear on, just stand there. He's like, if you just got to stand there all night, just stand there. So I was standing there. They come out. Uh, Fit comes out. Fit Finley comes out. And uh, Darren Young and all those guys were out there. And uh, Seth Rollins, that had been his first time at Raw. Uh, he'd been signed, but that was, they brought him up to look at him. Mm-hmm. So they did like a little tag or whatever before the show. And then they got me in there, and they got me in with a guy from Tennessee. Uh, man, I wish I could remember his name because he was a good worker. Um, I, I don't, I don't remember what his name is, but good little worker. It's like a little five minute match. It wasn't too bad. I only took like two bumps because I knew, I was like, I'm gonna take two bumps. But somewhere along the line, it got around that I could do a drop kick. And uh, me being me from North Carolina, I was working heel. I didn't do a drop kick. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not worth doing a damn drop kick. I'm heel. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so I didn't do it in that match. They had me work Darren Young. Horrible match. Not his. I mean, we just didn't click. We didn't know each other from right. You know, and like the way I call stuff and the way he calls stuff is totally different. And like, it just it just wasn't a great match. But they, you know, whatever they liked what they saw. So I go to the back and Brawler's like, "Hey, um, why you do the drop kick?" I was like, "Cause I'm heel." And he just looked at me, and he did this. He claps. Goes, goes, whatever. He says, go get something to eat, go get something to eat. He comes and gets me and pulls me into the promo room <laughs> in front of the Miz, who did not appreciate that. 
because he's sitting there waiting to do his promo, you know, for, for the camera. And he, he, he seemed pretty upset about it. But they had me cut another promo. I produced the same thing. Um, went well. They flew me home the next morning. I get a call. Hey, we want to send you down to Tampa. Let you check it out. See what you do. But I had a job at the time. Um, you know, produce manager. Very important, prominent job. Got to get um, Got to got to look up those, those heads of lettuce. Yeah, you gotta you gotta make sure, man. You gotta make sure they're cut and everything. Right. There's a lot of work in being produce manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was assistant produce manager. I say produce manager, assistant produce manager. I like to make it sound a lot more important than it was. I wasn't important at all. Uh, <laughs> I was replaced pretty quickly. Um, so I was like, I only got really, you know, they they want to take you for a week, but I could only go for three days. Um, so I went for three days at, down to Tampa, flew me down, whatever. Um, I, Jason Jordan was brought in that day. Um, and, uh, we, I got to work a lot with, um, oh gosh, he's in new Japan now. He's Samu's son. I can't remember what he goes by. Anyway, great worker. Um, so I worked with him a lot and just, just basically want to see if I can wrestle. Joey Mercury just want to see if I can do anything. And then Norman Smiley would pull me aside, whatever. So it was really easy. Like it wasn't like now, you know, they have the tryout camps where you go and they run you through and all that stuff. They didn't do that with me. I just kind of went, felt my way around, went to the show that night. That's where, you know, Dusty had me go out and do that. Then the Friday I had a match with uh, Bo Dallas and a very good match. Uh, Went really well. I did do the drop kick. Because uh, I was babyface, I insisted. I was like, I can't do drop king unless I'm babyface. I'm babyface, I'll do it. Uh, so we got that in. Um, they called me back, you know, sent me the contract, all that, signed me. Um, so when I went back, it's like it was a totally different atmosphere. Um, like they had talked about how competitive it was, but I didn't see it because they, I think they sheltered me from it when I was yep. there. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got there, it's like I walked in the door, I had heat. The only person that liked me were the Usos who they were already on TV, but they were just there. The Usos were there. Um, Leaki, who is now known as Roman Reigns. He was always cool with me. Um, a cat named Sam Adonis, who uh, you know, is a big star in Mexico, d- doing real well here now. Um, I was cool with him. And for some reason, I was cool with uh, Brodus Clay. No idea why. He just liked me, I guess, because I was a big guy. He stood up in front of the whole group. He's like, hey. You assholes got a problem. You take it with me because this this guy can work. And I was like, okay, thanks, appreciate you doing that. And now everybody hates me more. Um, so did that. Somewhere along the line, I broke my ankle uh, training. Uh, so, like, I'm gonna expose everything. But in the training rings for the girls, they had double padding, and uh, I went. I was doing rolls, and when I went to do my roll, my foot got stuck broke my ankle so i tried to work through it um i use that as an excuse you know i could have just went to them like, hey i broke my ankle or whatever they might have fired me they might not have but um so uh i kind of stuck it out another week or so and i just like didn't like it so yeah my tenure in wwe was two weeks two, two weeks. total weeks and uh the funny thing was uh, uh miro rusev came in the last week I was there and he was just, you know, just kind of waiting around to start. So it was cool seeing him at the very beginning. And then, uh, 
Dr. Tom was there and, you know, everybody thought that I got stiffed in a match or something. And that's why I quit. Had nothing to do with it. It was here. Mm -hmm. It was all this. Like I couldn't, I wasn't prepared for it. I didn't, I didn't want it. Honestly, you know, you say, oh man, I want to make it to the big time. That's why we ask guys now, like, what do you want at wrestling? Like when they ask me to watch their stuff, it's like, what do you want? Because if you want this, I can tell you this, you want this, it's going to be a lot harsh, whatever. Um, but I didn't want it. I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't want it. Uh, so I kind of just threw it away uh, and made an excuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day, nobody knows why I quit, but I, I think Triple H was pretty pissed about it. I don't know that for a fact, but uh, I know Ty Bailey wasn't there much long. Ty Bailey was over developmental at the time and uh, he wasn't there much longer. So I, yeah. I'm pretty sure he wasn't even there when KC reported the next what, KC went a year later. It was still FCW, and I don't I don't think he was there. So I don't know. It might have been one of those things. Uh, I don't know that for a fact, but yeah, a lot of weird stuff happened, and man, it's just like you weren't ready for it. Now, uh, when whenever you were up there, were were, were you like on on, uh, on the uh, tough enough gimmick that they did? Was, was you no. Um, so that that's a funny story. I, I think that could have been a thing if I'd have stuck it out because mm-hmm. it was coming. Yeah. Bill came, Bill DeMott came like right after. Mm-hmm. And they even took the guy, Kevin, uh, uh, you know, it started, it actually had already started. Now that I think about it, because I remember Wyndham Bray talking about the best guy on the show is Kevin. What the hell is this? Kevin something? They were the guy who took a shitty stunner. Okay. Um, so the guy who won it, they, I remember Bray talking about, dude, if the best guy on the show is that guy, this show sucks. You know, he said that like just right in front of everybody. Uh-huh. And uh, I, now that you mention that, that just springs to mind. But there was a lot of like weird, it's just weird. It was a weird atmosphere. I don't know. I don't know if it's different now. I don't, I don't know how it's done. Yeah. But it's like, man, it's like a lot of sitting around stewing in your own shit. Mm-hmm. And like all these guys, man, you got all these jacked up dudes who think they deserve something. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe they do. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they deserve something. I don't yeah. I didn't think I deserved anything. I well, didn't think I thought I belonged there. I think, I, was there. I think you, you, you talk about all the sitting around. Um, it, it, it reminds me when I was on the, uh, Cinemax TV show, um, Banshee, mm-hmm. um, I was on that, and that was like Cinemax's like number one show back in I don't know two thousand, I guess two thousand twelve or thirteen, somewhere around there. Um, anyway, I was on it, and uh, season two, and I was on the finale. So, but I got there um, and um, had no idea what they were looking for, what they wanted me to do, or anything like that. But um, just like you say, it was the same thing. Like you watch the television show. And it's like, oh man, all this, all this excitement, you know. Mm-hmm. But then you get there and you're part of the show and you're doing it, and it's a lot of sitting around and and of course there you weren't allowed to have your cell phone. You had to leave your cell phone in the car, so you're sitting there with total strangers, people you don't know, and you you know you go in, okay, action. You put they put 200 guys in one room, you know, action. The stars screw up, they they get pissed off, they walk to their trailer, and now we're all like, hmm, what do we do? You know, yeah. um, and I think that's kind of the way a, a lot of people look at pro wrestling and think, oh, it's, it's boom, 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 boom. But it's not. When you get the TV, it's like, okay, the show starts at nine o'clock, but you got to be there at noon. Well, yep. 
so nine hours you're there uh this guy's over here cutting promos and you're over here mm, twiddling your thumbs and uh and i think that but but back in the 80s and 70s the guys it, it was such camaraderie back then every, every, everybody knew okay Corey, for you to be over i gotta i gotta be at my best and and for mm-hmm. and for chris to be a great promoter i gotta do what what chris asks of me um yeah. so everybody worked together but now there's so many a lot of guys don't get the business and it's like me, me, me. It ain't us. It's just me. Mm-hmm. So I think now when you get to a show, it's hard to to have that camaraderie because, like, I know for me, I go to a show. There's a couple guys that I'll sit with and I'll talk about and, I, and we'll have. But for the most part, I'm there. I, I got my cell phone in my hand. I'm on Facebook. I'm texting Chris uh, or something like that. And, um, and you know, we're, we're, we're talking about the latest drama with Motley Crue. Uh, and I'm I'm so far fetched from the wrestling show; it's not even funny. But but I think that's that that's one of the law another lost art in wrestling that there's there's not that much camaraderie because it, like you say, everybody's out for themselves. It's not yeah. Let's let's work together and put on the best show possible. It's like let me get out there and show you how good I am. When yeah, really, I'm gonna I'm, I'm tell you the best line I heard when I was in FCW. And I don't know if you knew how hard it was for FCW guys to get to TV. So like the shield and those guys, man, uh-huh. it, it wasn't easy. Um, but I remember Sam looking at uh, Sam Adonis, looking at me and saying, dude, I'm no closer to be a WrestleMania than I was in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm just here. I'm tied up. He's like, I'm just tied up. So I can't go somewhere else. That's right. all. Mm-hmm. Because the money was, wasn't great. Right. Like dude, the, the starting money, I don't even think I'm supposed to talk about this. I don't know if I'm going to fuck it. Um, the starting money for a developmental deal was 26 grand. Wow. 500 a week. Plus, your taxes come out of that. Uh-huh. You're making nothing. Like, you know, when Braun tells that story about, you know, the Kia and only having 150 bucks when he went, that's what he made. He probably made it. He made that was his start was 26 grand. Mm-hmm. Now these guys are coming in making decent money, and they deserve it. Right, I'm yeah. Saying, um, I'm not saying that they don't deserve it, but the guys back then were making nothing. Now, the guy who made the most was Titus O'Neil. Titus O'Neil made the most money out of anybody. And they were pushing him to get the TV because they were paying him so much. Right. Yeah. So it's like the guys who were like making nothing, they didn't give a shit about them because they were like, oh, they're tied up. If they're good, we got them, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But I mean, you put, you weigh $500 in front of an indie guy. That's pretty big money. But then when you actually get there, it's like, man, this isn't a lot of money at all. No, it's not much money when, whenever you realize how expensive stuff is in Tampa. If, if you're based out of Tampa oh, yeah. or, oh, or, yeah. or, 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 I'm sorry, Orlando, you're based out of yeah, Orlando. Orlando now, yeah. It's very, very expensive there. Um, and then you get 500 a week, you take your taxes out, you make your car payment, you're, you're living in a one bedroom shack. <laughs> And then, yeah. and then, what? Do you, how, how you get into the building? You know, now, now mm-hmm. uh, on on that on that deal, are are they paying your travel, or are you paying no. your travel too? No, no. So basically, you're just trying to find like five guys and stuff in a car. Mm. Oh, and let me add this. Let me add Alfred. Um, Alfred was responsible for uh, advertising the live shows, mm-hmm. so the live events. So you were expected on your off days or your off time to go to Alfred's get posters, drive to the town and put the posters up, man. I'm not saying I'm not for paying dues. I'm cool with that. Like I'm very cool with paying dues, but to me, that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Like you get one day off and you have to go and and put posters up two hours, three hours, four hours away. It takes your whole day. So it's like, I get, they're trying to condition you for it, but it was, it was bullshit. Like I don't want to put up, 
fucking posters. I tried to I tried to talk um um Tyler Breeze. I tried to talk I went with me and him and uh, a guy named Baby Blue. He, they, he never did anything. But uh I tried to talk like just throw the shit away. They're like, well, who come to town and check? I was like, well, he can bring his ass and put him up. Uh-huh. If that's his job, tell him to bring his ass and put him up. And like they're like, dude, you can't. I was like, <laughs> but cool story. Tyler Breeze changed my tire. So hey. I had a flat tire coming home. So he's like, oh, I got it, man. Yeah, he's Canadian. So he's like a really nice dude. Yeah. Um, he's like on the side of the highway changing my tire. You know, at the time, I'm like, oh, man, that's such a nice dude. And then he, he goes to be Tyler Breeze. You know, wow. um, it's kind of I think his name is Matthias or Matt. They call him Matt. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, Matt at the time was like, dude, like, you ain't got it too. They called him Mike Dalton, I think that was his name before they called him Tyler Breeze. Uh-huh. So he's like on the side of the road changing my tire. Like, man, that's cool. Like, uh, that's a cool little story. Now, now, I had a very eventful two weeks. I, w- I, w- I will not say I did not have a very eventful two weeks. It was very eventful. I, I almost wonder what would happen if I had stayed, you know? Right. I had like yeah. a lot more stuff. Like, I've got a Cena story too, but. Well, you. You're on the Bidding Buster show. You got to tell the Cena story. You tell the Cena story. Okay. So um, they were doing this Q&A. I want to say it was like on a Thursday before TV, and Cena came in. I guess Cena had decided he wanted to go to Five Guys and just swing by. Um, The rumor was Cena had a feed to his house that he could see everything that was going on because he always wanted to be on top of it. I mean, that's that's how you do it. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how you become him. So he he stopped by and did a QA. and a and uh, he made everybody hate me even more um, because I believe Johnny Curtis asked him like, Hey, may not be Johnny Curtis, but somebody, somebody like that. They asked him like, Hey, when we go to TV, how do we get attention? He said, you need to ask big man back there. And I said, Oh shit. Uh, and Cena's like, they're like, they turned and look at me. I was like, Oh God, everybody hates me. So Cena's like, he has manners. He's like, he can work. He can do all the, you know, the stuff they ask him to do, but he has manners. And I was like, oh, thanks. And then everybody hated me more. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, I think he, he it was genuine. You know, he, he, was, yeah. like, he was a super nice dude. Yeah. You know, always I've, a super nice I've dude. I've heard that but, about him. And, yeah, and, and yeah. the fact that he's very, like, he's very business oriented, but mm-hmm. at the same sense, he, he, you know, he's very, very, um, uh, he, he he also has great manners and mm-hmm. very respectful guy, and he respects the business. and And yeah. I think a lot of people shit on him just because oh, he's John Cena. He don't wear wrestling boots and he wears. But the guy has got a great body, great looks, mm-hmm. and regardless. And I've heard Ric Flair say this: Yeah, Cena's not the best worker in the business, but that's not his fault because. No. Because he was he he did they they didn't give him the time to learn. They just put him on. Well, the road. here's here's the question though. Is he not the best worker in the business? Because I, I, dude, I mean, who's he not worked with? Right. And who's he not went out there with and had matches? I mean, that match with CM Punk, you mm-hmm. know, on Punk's last night, dude, they called most of that in the ring because if you, if you listen yeah. to Cena, you can hear him call spots because yeah. he's so damn loud. Uh-huh. Um, they like me, but, um, okay, fame. but, uh, you know, you know, he's calling it in the ring. So is he not a great worker? I would say he is. I, I would too, because I mean, yeah, if because he wouldn't be in that position if he wasn't. Correct. And and speaking of great workers, let's let's get back to Chris. I mean, I know we haven't had yes. Chris on there. Sorry, uh, Chris. Not yeah. Uh, so so Chris, back back whenever you were running New Dimension Wrestling and running around with uh, our, our good friend uh, uh, there in Thomasville, uh, Ken Spence. Uh, 
did Corey ever have the opportunity to come in and work for you guys or, or was that before Corey's time or? Man. Uh, wow. Tony, you're really, really, really going. You're turning back the clock here. I know the um, answer. Yeah. No, I mean, I think Corey, were you at the high school level? Were you, I mean, I don't, I mean, so I mean, we're going back, you're going back 95 here, 96. Okay. So Stutzy okay. started coming to shows in 96. Um, yeah. I started coming. I, the first show I ever came to, was one of your spot shows at the War Memorial Auditorium for the Bats. All right. Very that was nice. the very first show. You brought the ring out on the forklift, sat it down, did, yeah. did, did the show. Yeah. That was the first show independent. I think it went to a couple of independent shows, but that's where I got hooked. Like, that's when I was like, what, what, what is Right. What is this? Like, speaking <laughs> of addiction, you know, that, that was it. So I started, I, I went yeah. to all the spot shows you did. I sat through those terrible damn baseball games to watch those shows. Um, and, you know, I, I started just talking to people. I was a bigger kid, so people noticed me. And I sat with Kingfish a lot. And then I started coming to Thomasville and Burlington when you started right. those regularly. And you guys even incorporated me in an angle with uh, yeah. Brute Shooter and Mike Gunner because I was giving Mike Gunner so much shit. They worked the finish around me, and you threw me out. <laughs> no, you were fine. No, no, you were no, fine. No, no. But, but the funny part was the security guard wasn't in on it. He's like, oh, get the hell out of here. Get to the door. Oh, Plano said something. The security yeah. guard. Like Plano said, you're out of here, right? But the but funny thing is I get to the door, and yeah. um, uh, the lady at the door at the time, it'll come. Is it Misty? Misty. I would say yeah. Misty. Yeah, Misty, Misty. yes. Misty's like, don't stop. Stop. Just like, leave, leave him alone. Leave him alone. Just go back. Go back. That was a thumbtack match show. Hey, I wasn't missing that shit. You know hey, what I mean? Tony, you hear, I hear some chirps in the background over here. You hear that, Tony? Uh-uh. I hear, yeah, I hear some breadcrumbs being thrown from the background. Oh. <laughs> did I break up a I don't know. I did not say. I did no, not, no. I didn't even say who no, it was. Corey wants nothing to do with it. Oh, wait. Come on. Come here, Chris. Which is, Tony wants to see you. <laughs> now I hear a lot of popcorn throwing over here on the I didn't side. say who she was. I just said the no. lady running the door. It she could have been an old lady with an the chicken. I had numerous females that were employees at New Dimension Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but but I but if if that's the same Misty that I remember, <laughs> I know Misty. Yeah, I know Misty. Uh, she uh, she used to work for me as as well. Crazy, was that right? Well, I, Wait, I, I need to start. Where's she at? I, I don't know. I, you know, <laughs> I'm see, I'm I don't now. know if it's the same Misty. <laughs> I don't know if it's the same Misty, but I did have a Misty that used to come and work for yeah. me when I had my promotion, mm -hmm. and she told me, "Hey, I, I I've been in the business. I used to sell tickets for Chris Plano at New Dimension Wrestling. I know I know how this thing works." I'm like, "Well, you know how it works. Then come on up." As a matter of fact, she um she valeted for me for about a year. Not me, but she valeted one of my one of my guys. I love it. And uh, look at Chris. Look at Chris's God. face right now. And I then didn't even try to stew, brother. And I then, was saying. And then the crazy thing is, uh, we realized she and I realized uh, uh, the, uh how how me and her met. The guy that she valeted for for me. He calls me up. He goes, Tony, I met this chick, right? She works at the mall. And he goes, he goes, I met this chick. She works at the mall. But she told me she used to work for New Dimension Wrestling. I'm like, New Dimension? I said, that's that's my friend Chris 
Plano. I said, what What she do for Chris? He goes, I think she sold tickets. I'm like, oh, okay. I said, well, then, then she know. I said, well, good. She's smart to the business. Uh, he goes, yeah. He goes, she wants to be my valet. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm fine with that because we, yeah. we don't have any. So my question was, I said, how's she look though, Kenny? He goes, oh yeah, she, you know, she, she's good looking. I'm like, okay, great. Bring her down, bring her down to the next Rock and Jack show, and I'll, 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 I'll give her a look, ooh, right? Ooh, good pull, Tony. Rock right? and Jack. So he brings her to the Rock and Jack's building, and as soon as she walks in the door, she's like, Tony Binge, and I'm like, Misty, and my friend Kenny's looking at me like, what the, you, you, you guys know each other? And she's like, oh, I've known Tony since we were 13. Remember, you should set me on the church bus on the way to school. I'm like, okay, we need to stop right there. Cafe, but you know what cafe means, right? And she's like, I know what cafe means. And, um, but yeah, so it's funny how, how all these people are always intertwined. <laughs> Dude, I thought she was pretty hot when I was 13. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> I've hey, seen her since then. Tony, but when I was 13, yeah. I thought she was pretty damn Listen. high. I got a lot of popcorn thrown over here from the Bob Euchre seats. I mean, this is like classic. I wish stuff, people could man. see this. Like, this you guys got me back in the corner. I'm not getting out of. Hey, come I on. Didn't say Chris ain't done anything. Hey, listen, Chris ain't done anything wrong. So don't hit him with the popcorn. Okay. So <laughs> the, the only show I ever worked for you, Chris, was um, Thanksgiving night 2000. That yes. was my first year. That was the only time I ever worked for you. Uh, I did the opening match with a fella named Loverboy, and I broke the ring. That's all Which right. Which, for that That's new dimension name. ring, is pretty normal, right? He's so distracted. He's, he's got so much heat. I've got, yeah, I've got some heat over here right now. Um, yeah, I will be taking his place from here on out. No, 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 we're good. Hey, but I love the angle because you really um, turned back the clocks when you said Bruce Shooter or Mike Gunner. Um, you know, Mike Gunner, man um, – uh, um, a little bit about him. He was a built guy, man. He was he was stacked. Yeah. Um. Um. You know, brute brute was brute brute was a boogie guy. Yeah. Um. You know, through it through, very very loyal uh, uh to boogie. Um. Very loyal to me as well. Mm -hmm. Uh. Back in the day, but uh, remember Mike Gunner. Mike, I I really you know, I really thought Mike was gonna go somewhere at one point, and yeah. then I think he got wrapped up in other things and, and things like. I think that. it was his but, attitude that hurt. Yeah. Him. Yeah. He had the look. He had the look. Oh, vibe. yeah. Yeah, because he got his ass kicked by Sione one night because he yeah. went in there and told Sione, Barbarian, he's like, uh, we're going to do this, this, and this. And Sione's like, okay, brother. We're yeah. going to do all of that, brother. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the story goes, uh, Sione didn't do any of that, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I love him, too. No. Oh, I no, do, too. No, I, uh, no. just, I, I just worked a show with him, like, two weeks ago. I thought he Bar retired. Okay. No, nah, Barb's still around, man. And, and he remembered me, too. Him. He remembered me. He, he saw me. He goes, hey, Tony, you're getting bigger. I said, yeah, but I said, <laughs> I said, but it's not Mars, brother. It's my <laughs> hey, gentlemen, the popcorn throwing has calmed down. Okay, okay. good. Okay. Moment. Uh, good. Chris is back. Uh, I'm back. Chris is, Chris is back oh. and uh, ready so to I have some. I used to some. call that damn New Dimension Hotline. Oh. Every week, and Chris would never update that damn thing. It was the always the same wait, shit. Over wait a and minute, over. hold and on. Then his website, his website was like that AOL thing. So I'd be on it all the time, looking for damn updates. It was always the same shit over and over again. Right. So, I, I, dude, all of this stuff is so crazy that I remember it. So but like, dude, you're telling that was where my oh, roots oh, are. My God, oh, oh no! Oh, my God. There it is. <laughs> Fans. Right, I'm getting hit with the frying pan over yep. here. Everything with the frying pan. You got to like the real heat. Fans, we're 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 here on the. You heard a name, Misty, and some other stuff, and girls, and wrestling, and 
I've been around a long time. Town to town, man. We were town to town, just going down. That's what we were doing. Oh, <laughs> oh God. you got some raised eyebrows over here. This is the greatest podcast of all time already. <laughs> I'm telling you. And, and Tony, this is unscripted right now. We're impromptu. Hey, j- <laughs> we threw the format out the window. Oh, the format is gone. <laughs> and uh, and right now, I, I, I just got to tell Chris something. Yeah. Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. There it is. <laughs> oh, I'm strapped in, I think, right now. Well, yeah. First time fans, we got we got we got Chris here about to get hit with popcorn and a frying pan. The oh, yeah. Binge Buster show's got more heat than WWE. SpongeBob. The people can't see SpongeBob is here as well. He and, hasn't said but, a word. But, no. He says SpongeBob, can't. but uh, those eyeballs look like tits to me. Like, Look, oh, I'm not a great artist, okay? I'm not a great artist. No, I, I do like up, it. Though. I do like it, though. It's, it's great. It's great. It's, it's better. Like behind mine, I got, daughter, I got, okay? I, paid I got, for it. you know, in, in my, I'm, I'm here in my studio, and in my studio, I got, uh, I got a big screen TV that I watch stuff on, and then over here, I got a drum kit that I just yeah, got. Yeah, you took the tags off that thing. Tony. No, what? I just, <laughs> I just got it last week. I hadn't even really hooked it up yet. The you tags still got are the still energy on. guide on it. I still, yeah, I hadn't even hooked it, it up yet. It costs $36 a year to run I know. four hours a day. You know, the, the government's giving stimulus checks, and I'm buying TVs with it. I mean, who knows? <laughs> who isn't? <laughs> right? <laughs> no. I was buying drugs with mine, but we won't go <laughs> Yeah. Uh, back in the day, I, I spent mine on other things as well. But uh, anyway, um, but now uh, getting back on our format, we'll try to get back on our format. Uh, Tony, don't say that because something just came out of you know whose mouth said, I know what Chris was buying his stimulus money with. And oh, please go there. Uh, oh, uh, boy. oh, Chris is getting some good stuff with his stimulus money. Going, I think we're going already. I know. Hey, hey. Here's the thing. I, I saw the pictures. I know what Chris spent yeah. his stimulus money on. His deck. <laughs> Not dick, but his deck. No, seriously, guys. Chris sent me a picture last week. He says, Tony, check out my deck. I've got it redone and everything. It looks good out there. <laughs> 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 His microphone is muted, obviously, because no one can hear what's going on. This is so funny. He's, Look at his face. And the, guys, I wish y'all could see his podcast and see Chris's face. It's like he's like. This will be the reason the Binge Busters show will, will go to video because of this right here. <laughs> I'm losing the ears. First time I've lost control of my podcast. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, who knew, who knew that was going to happen with me here? Who knew that was going to happen with me here, right? Oh, that man. never happened. The frying pan, the dog at me, and everything. I'm in, I'm in well, trouble tonight over now, here. <laughs> now, now, look, after getting the popcorn in the frying pan, now Chris has got the dog, so he's he's uh, he's good. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> I've lost this has never happened before. Never. I've never done a Zoom call before. <laughs> Don't ever have Brad on your I know. Show. Tony knows Buddy. Tony does know Buddy. I think Tony, Tony, this guy looks familiar. Oh, yeah. I remember Buddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, he's looking at me. That's, that's, Chris, that's Chris's dog fans, by the yeah, way. I said, Buddy. Right. <laughs> he's like, oh, God. He just yawned. He goes, I want a little more excitement. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that was good stuff. Hey, uh, uh, Tony and Corey, uh, Buddy has seen a, a good amount of excitement over here. I can, <laughs> I can, I can see Buddy's face. He, but Buddy's having a good time. Yeah. Look at this. Starting to rain. So I'm doing this. <laughs> oh, oh no! Is it raining there? Yeah, it's starting to rain. Oh yeah. man, oh man. Well, uh, let's 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 continue on now. Let's yeah. now, now we, we we've had some good laughs. We talked about some oh, stuff. Oh man. Now let's 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 yelling, screaming over here. God, oh my. Chris is yelling, screaming. Now let's uh let's 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 take it into uh in more in depth, uh Corey. Uh, the the one thing that that I know we want to touch on, uh you've 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 you you've been in the wrestling business for a very long time, um and as a lot of people know, uh when you get into show business, whether it be music or wrestling or what whatnot, there's always uh that chance of um. Some type, some type of issue underlying. When I say underlying issue, uh, you get hurt. Uh, you mm-hmm. get, uh, you know, the doctor prescribes you something here and there, and the next thing you know, you're you're caught in a trap. Uh, Corey, t- tell 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 the business listener some of your story as far as that so goes. The, the big thing with me is uh, I was an addict from the get go. Yeah, I had a lot of trauma as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so after you know stuff that happened, that's when I got addicted to food. Um, that's what made me so big, you know, I got addicted to food and that was my first real addiction. So did that for years. And then in like 2004, 2005, I don't know if you remember, Tony, I got pretty small. I wasn't I, tiny. I, I got in like 320 or something. Right. I remember that. I got, yeah. Yeah. I got addicted to, um, ephedra, which is, yes. um, they basically say it's pretty much the same as amphetamines. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took that for almost two years straight, but that was normal. Every, you know, that was kind of a normal thing. Every, all the big guys were doing because everybody was trying to get small. I won't name any names, but there was a lot of other people doing that. So mm-hmm. um, FDA banned that, so you couldn't find it. Went back to food, right? Right. Um, got big again. You know, put all the weight I'd lost right back on. Um, I think wrestlers and showbiz people are a certain type of people anyway. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are very, um, you know, they're very predisposed to these issues anyway, uh, right. because what they say is there's type A, type B, and type C personalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, a type A personality is somebody that picks up a drug or a drink and can't put it down. A type B is somebody that can pick it up, take it, drink it, put it down. They're done. And then type C don't want anything to do with it. Like that's basically when you talk about you know, drugs and alcohol, those are the three types of people. And I think that applies to pretty much anything. Um, you know, honestly, if you really think about it, that's makes sense, you mm-hmm. know. And plus as pro wrestlers, we have this adrenaline addiction because going to the ring is a rush of adrenaline and we do it often and there's really nothing that matches it. Um, so when my problem really got bad was when the food was taken away. Um, I didn't really, you know, this is just, this is shit. I'm just realizing this past two months. Right. Right. Um, I've had to do a lot of like soul searching and stuff like that. But, um, so I had, I'd pretty much, you know, pretty much decided wrestling, not going to go anywhere. It was fun. Um, you know, I was helping book shows in Eden and stuff like that. Kind of wrestling every once in a while, but I'd hurt my back again, um, after coming back. And, um, you know, was just kind of sitting out. I was like, well, there's no point in carrying all this weight. Right. So I went ahead and had Rowan Y gastric bypass, which is pretty much the most, 
you know, constrictive one you can have. Like your stomach is literally the size of an egg, right? Right. Took away my food. That was my addiction. So what do you do when you lose an addiction? You replace it. So they put me on liquid hydrocodone. Mm-hmm. Buddy, if you've never had liquid hydrocodone, don't ever try it. Don't ever try it because it's like you take that, you take that sip of it. You're like, man, I feel pretty good. You know, and you like, you take more and you take more. And this was back when, you know, doctors could write refills for it. So the doctor who did my surgery, he's a great doctor, but uh, he doesn't necessarily understand the transition of addiction. You know, uh, most people who are overweight are obviously addicted to food, at least morbidly obese who are going to go through the gastric bypass. They're addicted. You know, they have an addiction problem. They don't really. Okay, it's stopped raining. Um, They don't really talk about that when you have that surgery. So I unknowingly made the transition to uh, opioids. Um, And then we were off and running. It wasn't at first. It was just one of those things where, all right, you know, I take it. It doesn't make me drowsy. It doesn't make me sleepy. When I take it, it make, it gets me up, mm-hmm. you know, um, it makes me more alert. It makes me better. At least I thought. Um, so, you know, I, I went through the refills, all that stuff, you know, was okay. And then the, the uh, hernia we had talked about before, Mm-hmm. I went ahead and had it done. It wasn't even that major an issue, but I was like, man, they'll give me, they'll probably give me more pain medication, you know, if I do it. And they did. Um, and they gave me a lot more. Um, so ran that course with that stuff. And then, you know, I was like, oh man, I got a back problem. So I need to go see a spine specialist and get my back, you know, man, I need something for that. So put me on something else, stayed on that. Um, and then, you know, one day I was like, man, I think I like this stuff a little bit too much. I mean, we're talking, I've probably been taking it off and on for a year and a half at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, this would be right around 2014. 2014. Yeah, because that's when I came, made my comeback um, as a heel. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was like, I think I like this stuff too much. I would never take it before going to the ring, but I almost needed it after almost immediately. But I finally was like, you know, Hey, we, we probably need to do something because I, I, I have an issue with it. They pulled it out from under me. Um, instead of, you know, trying to wean me down or take me off it. They just, they say, Oh, you're not taking it anymore. You got a problem with it. Oh, you're addicted to it. Pfft, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that doctor ended up getting in a lot of trouble anyway. Um, so went from there uh, and then when you can't get it, what do you do? You start buying it on the street and there's only so much you can get on the street. You can't go up to a drug dealer and say, Hey man, I really like hydrocodone five, three you know, the Norcos. Can you get me those? Fuck you. I got oxycodone 30, you know, mm-hmm. that what you want. You know, you want it or not. You're like, well, shit, I want it. You know, so you get that. And then you're getting on higher and higher grade stuff. And, um, you know, and then finally the time comes like, man, I can't do this. I have to get off this shit. Um, so I got on methadone. I don't know if you guys know a lot about methadone, but it is probably the most dangerous full antagonist opioid there is. Um, they typically will put you on it for a short period of time and then wean you down 
and then take you off completely. Uh, I went to a clinic where they didn't give a shit about us. Um, they basically, you go in and talk to your counselor, they bullshit you. Um, and you're bullshitting them too, because, you know, by that time you're, you're an addict. You're like, I just want my shit. Give my shit and let me go. Um, but with methadone, it's so dangerous and uh, they don't, you know, they just want your money. So and that even got worse. That got to the point where I was buying more methadone on top of what I was already taking. Um, that was dangerous. I got really lucky because I never was into benzos like Xanax or Clonopin and stuff like that. I got pretty lucky. But uh, methadone is the most dangerous, man. It kills people. I mean, it, it, there, you probably hear a story, you know, at least once every few months how somebody had a methadone bottle. A kid got a hold of it, just took a drop of it, and it killed them. It's that dangerous. It's literally that dangerous. Um, so after a few years of putting up with that shit and just kind of taking it to be numb, uh, it wasn't that I got high off of or anything. I just wanted to be numb, you know, mm-hmm. and I quit wrestling by this point. Yeah. This was the past, we we're talking about the past four years. I'd only done a couple matches in the past four years. Um, but I had so much going on in my personal life. I didn't even know it, dude, Tony, like we were talking about earlier, you know, you, you had everything. You knew what was going on. Dude, I have a fucking clue. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know, you know, how dejected my wife was and all that stuff. And then, uh, we had a few conversations about it, you know, coming off it, but you know, always typical addict shit, just like, Oh, you don't understand. Da, 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 da. It's not that simple, whatever. Um, so that was eventually the catalyst for her leaving. Um, because, you know, I, I would spend every damn time I had on it, you know, um, right. I, would, I, would, I would get, I'd get it at the clinic and then I would buy it from dealers, uh, essentially, because I just wanted to be numb all the time. Uh, I had no emotional attachment to anybody, just just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was she left. Um, we signed a, an agreement to separate, and I decided that, uh, you know, through, through my mom, I, I will be the first to say, because she was the only one that cared enough to reach out to to a place and try to find somewhere for me to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so she tried to find somewhere for me to go like a treatment center. And she reached out, finally found one down in Statesboro, Georgia, a place called Willingway. And uh, man, I had no intention of like really doing the damn program. I was just like, all right, I'm going to go do the thing, whatever. I do need to add this, that I do have a five-year-old daughter with my wife. And um, I had already agreed to go into treatment because I talked to him. Yeah. I talked to a fellow down there. I guess it's okay to talk. His name is Vince, but he works there. Right. Um, and he had a very similar story to mine. Like he had, he had same thing. He had went through the program mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, dude, I'm on the other side. And he had this damn laugh. That's like contagious. I was like, man, how the hell can this guy like live in Kensington in Philadelphia doing all these drugs and go through this program and be happy. Like, how's that possible? Like that shit's not real, mm-hmm. you know, but something about it, you know, kind of spoke to me and uh, that's just that light through the light of clarity through the insanity. Right. Because that's, that's what addiction is. Addiction's is insanity. Um, so he got me in there and basically my wife had, had every intention of pulling a fast one on me when we signed our separation agreement that basically said, if I didn't go to treatment, I would give up rights to my daughter. Mm. But if I did go 50, 50 custody, so of course I'm going to do it. Um, 
I mean, she never made me sign it because I'd already agreed to do it, but I, she, that was over my head the whole time. Right. Um, so finally I get into treatment. I was just like, I'm going to bullshit my way through this, you know, this whatever. Um, I'll, I'll give them all the right answers. You know, stuff I've done my whole life, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to handle it, whatever. Um, and just for the record, this is the only place on the East coast that will detox from methadone. Nobody else will touch it. It's so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes so long to get out of your system. Um, they, they even told me day one, like, dude, you know, most of the stuff we have to a science, he's like, but this stuff is, and this is not a science. This is an art. So basically we have to go by you. You, you have to talk to us. Whereas everybody else, they have a protocol. They just do a protocol and that's the end of it. Um, so if you can get in there, give them all the right answers, get off the shit, whatever, um, get out and be fine. Um, but uh, three days in, um, I had started taking the medication they give you to, to, to bring you off of methadone. It's called uh, Subutex. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's Suboxone, basically. Mm-hmm. Same, very okay. similar. But if you take it too soon, um, it can cause a lot of damage. Like it can basically throw you into worse withdrawals and you get really sick. That's what happened. They, I just took it too early. Um, and man, it was so strange. Like I remember sitting there curled up on the bed, like not moving, just feeling sorry for myself. And then all of a sudden I just had this, like, dude, you've been putting your family through this shit for years and they probably feel way worse than you do right now. Um, so that kind of cracked the ceiling for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I even started writing letters, which they're almost incoherent now when you read them back, it's kind of funny. Um, but, uh, so I started going to groups listening instead of like, you know, like doing this shit or doing this shit. Yeah. It's like, I took the cotton out of my ears, put it in my mouth and listen to people. And then you hear these people tell their stories. It's like, dude, we're not that much different. None of us are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, our names and our stories might be a little bit different, but when it comes to this, you know, this disease called addiction, we we all have it. And it affects us a very similar way. Some of us are luckier than others. Like, like for me, you know, we had talked before, like I didn't have DUIs. I, it didn't, you know, almost lost everything, but I, you know, right there, you know, but we're talking about, there's people there that lost everything. Right. Like they spent their last dollars to be there and they didn't know where they were going. They didn't know if they had a home to go to. They didn't know, you know, so sitting there to these people, and man, it's just like, like, like I told you with Al Snow earlier, listen to Al mm-hmm. Snow, the light bulb went off. Right. The light bulb went off. And, uh, you know, in treatment, they don't really push God on you or, or anything like that or spirituality, but they do talk about it, especially because if they're like an AA based program or NA based program, mm-hmm. you know, spirituality is a big part of it. But, uh, I think at some point, not, I'm not going on a religious rant or anything like that, but at some point I accepted the fact that I was powerless over this shit. Mm-hmm. And that if I didn't just throw my hands up and be like, I, I can't control it. There, I was never going to, I was going to come right out and go right back to it. Like it was that simple. Um, but I had that like awakening while right. I was in there and man, I started participating in the groups and um, this is actually tied into my comeback. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. Um, started participating in groups, talking about shit, talking about my childhood traumas. Um, dude, you don't know how hard it is to 
be in front of a group of men and admit that you were raped by another man when you were eight years old. Pretty fucking hard. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's funny that I can talk about it now. It doesn't bother me. But the first time I said, dude, I could, I could barely get it out. Right. Yeah. You know, um, so that's part of my childhood trauma, you know, being raped at eight years old. That's the first one I've ever publicly talked about it other than, you know, those meetings. But, uh, you know, that, that was the catalyst for the food addiction, whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but talking about it, it's like, man, this is weird. Like I'm getting this weird feeling from all of this. And I think it's spirituality. Um, I'd had a disconnect from God and, and all this, but where we get to the wrestling was every boy. I didn't talk about it. I, I didn't say a word. Nobody knew I was a wrestler. I just told, Oh yeah, I just got my job, which is logistics and shipping and all that stuff. So what I do. And uh, we did this, this really, it was just so silly, but uh, they had us like, write like commercials for like, like the treatment center we were at. Like if you were to write a commercial, like, what would you do? And we decided that we were going to do like an attorney one, like, you know, where the attorney's like, Hey, you, you called the one, you know, whatever. So I was like, something told me like, all right, dude, this might be fun. Let's participate a little bit. So wrote a little script up. Of course I ended up improv it, but it came off so well. Everybody's like, dude, how, are you an actor or something? I was like, actually, no, I've been a pro wrestler for the past you know, 20 years or so. Like, makes so much fucking sense like everything about you that makes so much fucking sense i was like yeah but i kind of pulled myself away from it i kind of let other people pull me away from it and like man that's a shame that's a shame man you should really consider going back to it and i kept hearing this and hearing this and you know, every every day it would be a different thing where, you know, we were doing something. I would just pull out some random shit because we didn't have television. <laughs> we didn't have cell phones. Right. Uh, we didn't have cable for like eight. I was there 21 days. We didn't have cable for like 18 of the 21 days. So it's like we had to like bond. Right. Like all of the group pretty much had to bond and, and we're still tight. Most of us, we, we still commu actually we communicated like 10 minutes before I went on this. Mm -hmm. But um. It's like, I would just do silly shit. And it's like, dude, it makes so much fucking sense. What are you doing? What are you doing? And then almost another like moment of clarity. It's like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I not wrestling? Mm -hmm. So the, <laughs> I got out on Mother's Day and I sat at home and I'm like, man, I really want to wrestle. Like, I just kept telling myself, do I really want to do it? And they're like, yeah, I really want to do it. So I sent Robbie Stanley a text on, let me get you the date here. Cause I can't remember the date exactly. It wasn't. So I came home on what? May nine. Okay. So I came home on May nine and uh, he was running like right back from the COVID stuff on the 22nd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was the 22nd. So that Friday I was like, Hey, I'm ready to come home. He's like, He's like, all right, come to Roxborough. So, dude, I haven't been in a ring, and I've been in a ring a little bit. I had a couple matches. I think I had a match with Bobby Yella, uh, which was very, very nothing. It was terrible. I got so blown up. And then I had a match with George South versus uh, Bobby Fulton, the Jackie Fulton, all yep. for Henry Dean. Mm -hmm. And I got so blown up I could barely walk. 
But I was like, man, what makes you think you could do this after that? I was like, something, something just kept telling me. My gut was like, you need to go back. You need to go back. So I walk in the lot. I just walk in the building, Tony. I grab my bag and I'm walking in the building. It's like, dude, I got this shock, like chill bumps, man. It's like, what the hell have I been doing? Like, why did I want to walk? Why did I walk away from this? Mm-hmm. Get in the ring. Just start doing a quick little workout because it was pretty late. I got there late for some reason because I'm always late. Um, but just did a quick thing, man. Everything went went really well, and then we wrestled that night. And, dude, we almost caused a riot. Like my first night back, I almost caused a riot, you know. So that was awesome. They come when the next day. I went down for uh, Will Bradshaw and Daniel Moses uh, for Appalachian Championship Wrestling. I wrestled Mike Levy, who Mike Levy proved a lot. Oh yeah. Um, it was just a simple, nothing, you know, nothing to it. It was just a simple little match, but it went really well. It's like, man, can I do something with this still? Like, you know, I'm only 36. I think everybody thinks I'm 50. Um, so then that led to the match with Bobby Yella this past Saturday. And it was so good. And it got such a good reception. Like, man, maybe there's something here, you know, I don't know. Um, but I've never applied myself. Uh, that's just a straight fact. Like even for everybody that thinks I'm really good, thank you. But I was really good without applying myself. Like it was just natural. Like it, it wasn't because I got up and went to the gym or that shit. Um, I would pretend like I, you know, was putting in work. I wasn't putting in work. I wasn't doing shit. Like I was just, it was, I'd show up. Yeah. Um, I guess you'd say I was naturally talented and that's what I've based most of my career on. But uh, at this point, man, it's just like, I'm really curious with, you know, we going back to the opening full circle. Right. With the scene really changing, like what can I do with it? Because I think I could do a hell of a lot with it. If I actually apply myself for once, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I got to WWE once. I don't want to do that again, but I would like to, impact is kind of the goal for me because I think impact is a good place. I think they have a lot of good workers, good talent. Uh, I I think they're very underrated. Um, So that's kind of the goal. Fuck. I'm putting that out in the stratosphere. Everybody, my goal is impact. If I don't make it, it's not a big deal, but it's not going to be because I didn't try. Uh, I'm going to try. Like I'm going to actually implement. That's why I told you I was up at what? Three 30 this morning to go to the gym. Mm Mm-hmm. I was never one of those people. Like, I, I, I mean, I would go to the gym and work out, but I just did it because I thought I was supposed to. That was right. It. Um, but man, it's like I have a whole different mentality towards everything. Uh, coming out of treatment, dude, it really changed the way I look at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, before, I thought everybody owed me something. You know, kind of like we had talked before. I was like, yeah, yeah you know, I'm, I'm me. Da, 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 you have it. I was like, nah, man. Thank you for having me. Um, my gratitude is huge. You know, I, I'm very, uh, very thankful for everything that I do have, even though I lost a lot, I'm thankful for what I have. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for any opportunity now, uh, because no, nobody owes me a thing. You know, nobody owes me a spot. Uh, Robbie Stanley and, uh, JM, they, they don't owe me a spot. Nobody owes me shit. Uh, what did I do? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if I did anything for him, it was purely by accident. Uh, it's like a lot of people come and tell me, Hey, you helped me. You helped me. I'm like, dude, I, I probably did it. So you'd put me over 
you know, so just one day, but like, oh man, Corey helped me with this. Like, dude, at the time, you know, being so selfish and self-centered, it's still there. You know, that's still that doesn't go away. But if you're aware of it, you can use it to your advantage. Right. Um, at least I think, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there's so many people coming like, hey, dude, you helped me big time with this. I'll even drop Chase Dakota's name. Uh, yeah, he's been out of the business for a while because of back issue he had from a, a job thing. He's like, dude, you you helped me. Da, da, da. I was like, I mean, I appreciate you saying that, but I probably just did it so you'd put me over. That's it. I probably just did it so you'd be like, oh, Corey's such a nice guy. That's probably the only reason I did it. And like Donnie, um, Donnie, Donnie Dollars, those tag partners with him forever mm-hmm. um, in Fatback. And it's like, yeah, I helped you, but I only helped you because you were my tag partner. You know, and yeah. sometimes it's hard to admit that. Like, it's hard to tell people like, yeah, man, I helped you, but I didn't do it for you. I did it for me. I did it. So you go back and say, of course, man, Corey's a great guy. Corey's a great guy. Corey wasn't a great guy. Uh, no, fuck no. Uh, a terrible person. Um, you know, I like to think. Hey, a lot to, lot to digest there. Sorry. Um, you know, I like to think there is good in me. Uh, and I think I did some good, but any good I did was just circumstantial. Uh, because, you know, when you're, when you have this disease called addiction, you're always going to look out for yourself first and you're going to find a way to feed that addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's attention, you know, um, a lot of people do wrestling, of course. Like I said, we're wired differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of us are probably addicts and we don't even know it. You know, most wrestlers are probably addicts. They, well, most wrestlers probably are addicts um, and just want to admit it. But it's something, you know, so everybody has something that it, at least at least what I've seen and they won't admit it. Uh, me, I'm very open about it, like probably too open considering I'm going through a divorce. Um, <laughs> hey, I've been there. I'm, I know. Hope, hopefully it will not be used against me because, you know, I, I hope I hope in time people do realize, especially my ex-wife or soon to be ex-wife. I hope she realizes it's not the same person. The same person you left is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I made that comment and I think people took it the wrong way. I was like, he's dead. He died. Yeah. Um, the person here is not the same person. And the only way to do that is to you know, come on your podcast and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if I don't talk about it, it I'll, it'll get boiled back up right. and it might boil back over and I might jump right back into it. But, you know, as of right now, I'm what, um, uh, 30, 40, 41 days clean. Very good. Uh, 41 awesome. days clean, I believe it is. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. You know, like I said, I never mixed my stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I was always just a straight opioid person most of the time or food, but opioids. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I got, I'm, I'm lucky I'm not dead. I should be. Right. And you know, we talk about second chances a lot of times and I think people just say it like, Oh, I've been given a second chance. I've been given a fucking second chance. Yeah. Like I, I should, I should be in jail or for some of the shit I've done. Um, or, you know, I should be dead because mm-hmm. I probably, man, there's probably times I took enough methadone to kill, kill a horse. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't, you know, it, it should have. Right. right? But yeah, 
a second chance, man. That's what I'm all about. Second chances. But I also want to let people know, man, like there's, there's people out there that understand you, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in this business. I understand completely. And you know, Tony, we had talked, you understand too. Yeah. But I, I think it's important to talk about it and for people to hear it. That's what I want people. I want people to hear what I'm saying. Because it's not easy for me to talk about this. It's not easy at all. Right. And I'm and I'm but, I'm very happy that you chose my platform, my podcast to come on and Well, tell, I, I know showed you about a year ago, so I felt like I owed well, you. No, I, I understand. Uh, I mean thing things happen, you know, and, and you had Yeah, things, things happen. I got fucked up and got, sat in my chair and didn't got, want to do the show. Right. I had a damn panic attack right before I was supposed to call you and then disappeared. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I knew I mean I've known you for so many years. Uh, when, when, when we were supposed to do that show and then I didn't hear from him, I'm like, well, something, something's gotta be going on. I mean, mm-hmm. either he, for, he, he must've forgot or, but, but in, in my mind, something said he's got some personal issues that he's working on. I'm, I'm going to wait for him to contact me and, and we'll go from there. Now, um, one thing I want to, I want to talk about to you, um, I'm gonna give you some advice for me and I'm gonna give you advice it ain't really advice. It's just uh, something to, to put in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2001, um, it was a crazy time in my life. Uh, I, I uh, from from about 96 to 2001, uh, my my life at the time I'm thir- 20. I'm in my 20s, and. Uh, in my mind, I, I owned a wrestling ring and I had a nice little building that I kept my ring in and we trained and, and I done a show er, every weekend I was on the road. I was gone. Um, and I was married <clears throat> and I was about to become a father for the first time. So I had all this stress in my life and you talk about addiction, uh, my addiction to then, and, uh, and I haven't really discussed this ever, but I think now is a good time to kind of put it in there. Um, because when I say this, I'm going to share with you the advice that was given to me and hopefully you, you can do like me and use it to give yourself goals and, and reach those goals. So, so when I got my ring and, and I'm going to do all these shows and I, in my mind, I'm, I'm, I've made it even though I'm, I'm not in WWE, I'm not in WCW, but I have my, at 26 years old, I own my own wrestling company. It wasn't as over as Chris's NDW, but it was. I was having a good time with it. But it was my catalyst. It was my. It was my way of doing my addiction and getting away from my wife and doing the things that I shouldn't have been doing, but I was doing because I was my idol was Ric Flair, and if Ric Flair was seeing millions of women, then I need to do the same thing. And I would do that. I was, hey, I got the show this weekend, but I wasn't booked. I was. I was at days in with, with, with whoever. Right. And, um, but, and you would think knowing that I'm about to have a child that, that my, my whole world, you know, I'd be looking at something totally differently than I was, but I wasn't, I was, um, you know, doing bad things, which caused my divorce. And I remember making the phone call to Jimmy Valiant. I had him, he was booked to wrestle for me in 2001 at um at Rock and Jacks, a little mm-hmm. bar in High Point. Oh yeah. And it seemed like everything happened that weekend that just put me on the right path. So Rock and Jacks got shut down. Uh the 
ATF came in because they had poker machines or pay, whatever whatever the case was, but they got shut down. So I had nowhere to run a show, but Boogie's at my house. <laughs> the The show's on Saturday, and the bar gets shut down Thursday, and Boogie's at Big Lots promoting my show. Right? Yeah, he ain't going nowhere. You're paying him. Right. What am I going to do, right? So I end up, uh, you know, I found this little place out in Silver Valley, of all places, out in the boondocks. I was able to do a show and draw 20 people, but those 20 people, I had enough money to pay, you know, pay part of boogie but i had to pay, pull out my savings account i paid boogie and then um about a week later uh my marriage fell apart and uh I, and i call i remember making the phone call i said okay the only thing i could do right now is i gotta sell my, i gotta sell my wrestling ring i mean i got it because i need that money so i called boogie and i said boogie you know brother I, I need to sell my ring oh brother we just had a show saturday what, what what's going on well i'm going through a divorce oh brother i'm so sorry and uh, he goes, well, ho- hopefully it'll work out. I'm like, yeah, I hope so. So six months go by. We go to marriage counseling, and then she decides that she wants to be done, and we're going to be over. But here's the advice Boogie gave me, and he was so true. I caught him on the phone, tears crying like a two-year-old baby that just got, you know, whatever. Um, and I said, Boogie, you know, bro, I said, I don't know what to do. Um, I- I've lost everything I have. You know, I I become a father in August, and now here it is December, and we're split up. And you know, I've I had some of my business. I've lost my kid. I don't know what else I'm gonna do. He he tells me you ain't lost your kid as long as you're in that child's life. Now, you ain't gotta be in that woman's life, but as long as you're a man and you take care of that little girl, because that little girl he told me he said that little girl didn't ask to be brought here. She's your responsibility. For the next these 18 years, she's yours. He said, doesn't matter what you got to do. If you got to work three jobs, four jobs, or whatever, you make it happen. And he said, Tony, I know you're, you're the guy that's going to do that. He said, but don't don't worry about your house, your cars, or your bank account because all that's replaceable, yeah. but, you, but your child's not. Mm-hmm. He said, so I'm going to tell you. He said, this, this is what I'm going to tell you. He said, it may not be today. It may not be five years from now. It might be 10 years. He said, but. What you've lost is nothing compared to what you're gonna have. Yeah. And you know, at the time when when we when we was married, I was early. I, I had bought a mobile home, and uh, we we were we were leasing the land, but we owned the house. And the house was, I I think the price we paid for that mobile home because it was decked out and had everything. I think it was fifty grand. Mm-hmm. Fifty grand. And I'm not bragging, and I'm not putting this out here. I just want to give you an example. Eighteen years later, now I I no longer live in Silver Valley. I now live out outskirts of Charlotte, and I live in a, almost a three hundred thousand dollar home. Mm-hmm. And um, and it didn't resonate with me because I I was kind of like, oh, I got all this stuff, and I'm I'm excited. But then about a year ago, no, two years ago, before COVID hit, I was on the show with Boogie, and it's like it just hit me what that man told me twenty some years ago. And I walked over to him, and I had tears in my eyes. And he's like, brother, you okay? I'm like, Boogie, I just got to tell you, thank you. He said, thank for what? Our match? I said, no. I said, 20 years ago, you told me. <laughs> right. I said, 20 years ago, you told me. when I, I Remember I made that phone call to you, and I was crying, and I told you I lost everything I had, and you told me, Tony. And I, he goes, yeah. And I said, I said, hey, I, I'm, I'm doing better now than I did before. And he said, he said, he gave me, he gave me a big, uh, like a heartfelt hug. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, brother, you know, like, like a wrestler's hug. It was like a heartfelt friendship hug. And he said, uh, 
He goes, and my daughter's with me. And he goes, and I see that you did what I told you to do because she's here with you. So that lets me know that you were a good father. You did, you did your part for her. He said, and just like I said, he said, man, he goes, if you can do it one time, you can do it 10 times. He said, everything is irreplaceable except for your family. He said, so keep that in mind. You might be thinking you're losing your house, your car, your bank account, but you'll get it back and it'll be double or maybe triple what you had. And he was right. I mean, he was right. Um, so just keep that in the back of your mind as you, as you're, um, as you going through life, make, make sure that your daughter is your number one priority and everything else is going to fall into place. And man, you, you'll, you'll look back and you'll go, Tony, man, you were right. Right. Well, it's interesting enough that you bring that up. They, they do, they tell the treatment is a little bit different, but they say your number one priority every day should be your sobriety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because anything you put above your sobriety, you're going to lose. Right. Yeah. So if you put the house, the car and all that above your sobriety, you're going to lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even, you know, your family, if you put that above it, you're going to lose it. But if you have, if your sobriety is number one, everything else is going to, is going to fall in place and get better. And uh, truthfully, everything has like, um, I, you know, I guess I guess some decent advice of very similar to what you said. Uh, my boss today, he's he's been through you know, a few divorces, and he said, "You know, Corey, you're thinking short term." He's like, "Right now, you're everything. Everything is now, 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 now. Short term, short term, short term. This doesn't have anything to do with my addiction. This is just good advice." And he said, "Look, do what's best for your daughter." Okay. 5, 10, 15 years, he's like, it's not going to matter. You, mm-hmm. As long as you do by her, it's good. everything's going to work out. But he also had another good piece of advice, which was pretty funny. I'm going to share it with you. Steve will appreciate this. He said, he said, why are you worried about your relationship with your ex-wife? Why are you worried about it? She's your ex-wife. He's like, the next woman or the next wife, they're going to dictate your relationship with her anyway. And guess what? There probably won't be one. So he's like, so just be cordial, do what's best for your daughter, do the co-parenting thing, but don't worry about all the other shit, you know, cause man, I walked into like a, a ton of stuff and mm-hmm. I, I took it really well, but I've stewed a lot. Like, you know, I, I've learned to let my past go, Yeah, but it's like this I'm stuck in. And when he told me that, man, it made so much sense to me. It's like, man, this He's right. Like, what? Why, why am I worried about having a, a friendship, you know, mm-hmm. with her? Like, I just we'll just do the co-parenting thing. We'll do the right thing, and because <laughs> the next wife isn't going to be like, what the fuck are you doing talking to her? <laughs> I was know? about to say that. And- you know I mean? Like, they're going to dictate the relationship, and then you're, you're, of course you're going to do what they want you to do. So, what? Why? Why, why build something that's not going to last? So, why, why even worry about it? Right, exactly, yeah. and and that's like one of the things that um, that Plato that, knows all about. That you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> <laughs> Plato is the man. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the man. I've never been married, and um, wow. I don't have any kids. None that I'm aware of. So I don't. All I don't right, know. good I mean, job, buddy. I don't know if I'm the man or not for that. Um, <laughs> I've I've, uh, I've had a, I've thrown a few women through the ring in the past. So I'll say that they're the ringers. <laughs> We're good. Yeah, I think we all have at some point. Some are we, still learning. It's uh, oh, 
Get some daggers back. A couple. <laughs> I just like getting Chris in trouble. It's so uh, much fun. Yeah, I'm in trouble. No, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> I've been in trouble about the last hour, I think. Um, but yeah, that's that's just one of the things that you just have to. Um, you definitely got to prioritize it. And uh, but but I, I I've known you long enough. I know that you're going to do it. Um, and like you know, you talk about uh, being friends with your ex-wife. I'll tell you firsthand. Um, my daughter is 19; she'll be 20. Her mother and I split up when she was like six months old. Mm-hmm. Um, never reconciled. That was it. Once I was out of the house, it was done. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but all the stuff that I did wrong, like when we split up, it wasn't because she knew about me nature. We split up because she just was just uh we were completely different people to begin with right um but uh it, i was a traveling salesman and i was never home and then when i'd come home on the weekends now i'm I'm off to go wrestle uh yeah. at least that's what she thought um so we never had time together we grew apart so in her mind it wasn't that tony did something wrong it's just we grew apart right it wasn't till once the marriage was over and then she started like oh she, she, she and i made a mistake one of the one of the many mistakes, but at the time, uh, everything we owned was kind of like I mean, our house was in both of our names, our cars was in both of our names, but like um, cell phone bill, the light bill, all that was in her name only. Um, and at the time, I didn't think about old phone records, you know, checking the phone records, see who these people was. And then once she starts calling, oh, what's all these numbers, you know? Because once we split up, I got my own cell phone, you know, and she had that one shut off, and then she gets this final bill, and it's crazy. And she's like, "Oh, what are all these numbers?" You know, and of course, it, was, it she she wouldn't have thought about that, but she had a friend that was like, "Oh, you 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 should check these numbers and see what." The, and then you know, you know how they work. So once that happened, it was like, "Tony, who's this girl? Who's that? Who's that? Who's?" That? I was like, "What are you talking about?" And in my mind, I'm going, "How does she know who that is?" You know, I was like, "I don't know who those are." I said, "Probably people that wanted to buy a wrestling ticket." You know, well, this one girl told me you and her used to go to the Days Inn in Thomasville like every weekend, and it was over with. You know, and about that time, um, because of what I'd done, there was no way that she and I would ever be friends. Even to this day, twenty years later, you know, uh, those eighteen years of me paying child support was the worst eighteen years of my life. Not because of my daughter, but because her mother thought because I was such a, I made mistakes that she had to, you know, keep whipping me, you know, right. and, and she had to spank me, you know, at some point and show me, you know, she's in control, not me. Uh, and it was bad. And like, I tried to be friends with her, but it's impossible. Like once, once, once the lines cross or you do now, I've, I've seen some couples where they, they get divorced and they, they marry and they marry, and but they all four have these parties for their kids and everybody's friends. Yeah, I don't know how in the hell they do it because I've never I've been no able idea. to do that, you know, yeah. um, and uh, probably never will. Now, my wife I'm with now, hopefully that, that, that never happens. But if it did, I can tell you right now, she and I would definitely not be friends because – <laughs> we bet we butt heads now she's a yankee and i'm a southerner and we already uh so if we ever split oh it it would be it, you know it'd, it'd be the clampets versus the mccoys you know 2020 for for sure but uh but now back to, to kind of wind down this podcast the redemption now you know you 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 fought through everything um you've been clean now and now you're back home 
back in the ring where you belong. Yep. And I remember years ago, you, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to test you, see if you remember this. Okay. But you made a post on Facebook, and you said, if I ever get back in the ring, these are some of the guys I want to work with. Yeah. And I was on that list. Yes, you were. I remember that. Yes, uh, you were. And I'm excited that you're back. And so hopefully at some point we can either be a tag team, which would be great, or yeah. work or work against each other. But I, I hope now we get to do that, at least, at least before I retire and get old. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. but, but I get what you mean about blowing up because – like now, that happens to me a lot. Like, like sometimes I get in the ring and I'm ready to go, and I go in there and I do it, and everything's good. Yeah. And other times I get in there and I, I'm like, I take a hip toss, and it's like the gas is gone, and I'm like, yeah. what happened? You know, I'll say amazingly enough, like uh, you know, this this little comeback, I, it's I've been so surprised at like how how good my wind was. Like I, I've got a little tired, mm-hmm. you know, but man, the the match with Yella really whenever they put it up, they'll put it up on, uh, I think it's called IWTV, uh, internet wrestling television. You can stream it. It's like mm-hmm. 99 a month, but they got free trials and whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, eventually down the line, they're going to put that match up. And I've actually watched, uh, like a fan version of it. Mm-hmm. And I told Brad, you know, Stutzy, I was like, Stutzy, that's the old me. Like, right. that's the old me. Like, that's not like when I was a heel. Yeah. I, I, I love being a heel. I want to be Tully Blanchard, but, you know, that wasn't me. Even though I did a good job, that wasn't me. It's yeah. like I don't know. I didn't know who I was, and you know that was all under the veil of addiction. I didn't know who I was, right? And getting back in the ring and doing, just going out there and doing it, I'm finding who I am again, and I really like it. Like it's been amazing. Like that yeah. match was an amazing experience because, hey, Bobby Yella has gotten so damn good. Oh yeah, like, yeah. He's got so damn good. And a lot of people don't know, dude, he knew nothing. Right. Yeah. And for some reason, he's another one of those guys. He credits me and I've got to give him his due, man. He, he actually is probably the reason I came back because I was still on the fence about it. I was like, I don't mm-hmm. know, man. But he's like, you got to come back. He's like, these, these people need you. These kids yeah. need you. You know, like they need people like you, know, like, hey, Yella. Yeah, it's like, all right, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was hey. like, all right, can I work you? And, uh, yeah, he did so well, dude. I even told him, like, I looked at him while he was selling on the ramp after the match. I looked at him and said, You're a fucking great worker. Like, I, I did it right in front of the camera. I just pointed, I said, You're a fucking great worker. You need to know it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's great at what he does. And, you know, in the ring, he, he was solid. Like, I was so surprised at how good he was. But on top of that, uh, DW, Damian Wayne, sends me – I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but he sends me a message. He's like, man, there's not many guys like us left. And he's like, I'm so glad to see you back. I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember. I could probably read the whole thing. But, right, right. Um, he's like, you know, there's not many guys like us left. I'm glad you're back because these kids need you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they need me? Like, who needs me? You know, like I'm just a fuck up, you know, I've had some clarity and I'm, I'm finding myself, but are you mm-hmm. telling me I can help other people, mm-hmm. which is, is part of recovery is helping other people. Now it right. might not necessarily be helping other alcoholics or addicts, but I'm helping people. Um, mm-hmm. and shit, I got my best friend back in, in front of a crowd for the first time. And 
I mean, you know, he, he booked CWF for a long time, but Brad did not really get in front of a crowd. Like it's been years mm-hmm. to do that fat bag that, that we did not plan that like that. You would think that took months and months of planning to do like a fat back reunion, a fat back mm-hmm. enterprise reunion with me and him. I think, I hope nobody really took offense to like not including Donnie and Nick or, or Maddie, but man, he's always said I was the captain. Right. It was always me and him, like me and him, like I'm the captain. He's, he's the manager. It was us. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he was so shocked cause he was nervous. He's like, he's like, man, he's like, ain't nobody going to see me. He, they don't, I mean, guys started saying yes to himself. And I said, Brad, my Patterson instincts are going crazy on this man. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think this is going to work. I was like, I, I didn't even say a thing. I told him I know. And I'm sitting there telling him all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, Corey Edsel would have never said shit like this before. Right. Yeah. Like, I would have just walked off and ignored him and let him, you know. But I'm sitting there giving my best friend Brad a pep talk when it was him, you know, years ago, giving me the pep talk. Right. Um, and I'm sitting in the locker room and just talking with Levi and Damian Wayne and those guys. Mm-hmm. And it, it was so cool. But back to a DW, he's like, these kids need you. And uh, I don't think i understand yet but i've heard i hear it a lot like he's not the he since several people's been like man this these kids don't get it they need to get in there with you and work so i guess that's what i'm here for yeah um, for yeah. sure yeah uh, but yeah we're definitely that match yeah dude we're gonna make that happen yeah, I, I'm, we'll, yeah. We'll, whatever and, and i'll tell you you know i, I do I, I put this over on on this podcast a lot but i do a lot of work with in nawa out of western you got Carolina. uh the, the, a lot of good guys i've seen uh, yes what is his name adam uh adam james, adam james yes very adam very, james very, is a very solid worker yeah. one of the few shows i did in the past four years was with him and uh mm-hmm. he worked some green as grass kid it was fine but uh that was one of those nights me and Trent Wild just went out there and bullshit and got over. Yeah. And he was very nice, very nice. But you could tell he's got a passion for it. He can oh, work, yeah, he especially definitely if you does. Especially on Facebook. Uh, you know, I'll so. tell you a funny quick story about he and I. One time he and I were in a six-man against each other. And you know me, I'm very I, – working me is like working Jimmy Valley. I'm very yep. light, very light. Yep. yep. And uh, – but but Adam's used to feeling stuff, you know. And I, yep. I, I, I do it so good you don't feel. Yep. And um, – and I gave him a, a, a double axe handle, and he no sells it. And I'm like, wait a minute, this, what's he doing to me? He knows he knows this is the finish. And I come back and give him another one, and I pop him on the second one, and then then he sells it. And then, but after after the match, we get back to the dressing room. He's like, brother, you could lay it in there. I'm like, that's not me. I don't lay it in there. I said, I'm very light. He goes, man. He said, I didn't even feel it. He goes, but I go back and look at it on tape. It looks like you killed me. I'm, I'm sorry I, I didn't sell the first one. I was like, no. I, I said, yeah. I, I said to me, it looked good because it's like I hit you with the first one. Oh, okay, I didn't, that one didn't work. Let me do it a second time, and it worked. And I, it worked. He said, yeah, okay, whatever, Tony. But, yeah, but yeah, he's a solid guy. Uh, but the, the great thing, and I'm not just putting over NAW because I work there a lot, but the, the promoter, the owner, Jason Freeman, heck of a guy, known him since he was 15 years old. When I first broke into the business, he was young. 15 years old, refereeing, and now he's a promoter. Bless you. Uh, Sorry, COVID. No, uh, no, no. no. <laughs> but, but, I'm vaccinated, I guess. <laughs> but, but, but now he's a promoter, and, and like the stuff they do is old school stuff. They're running angles around everybody, um, yeah. and, and it's very fun and enjoyable. So, uh, anytime you're off and you want to get in the car with me and ride up, man, you're more than welcome to. 
But you let me know, I'll be there. Yeah, we'll definitely do for it. For sure. Um, Chris, as as we wind this podcast down, man. Chris uh, in the car, too. Let's get him in the car and get yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here, here, I see it right now. You and I are tag team, and Chris is our manager. Oh yep. That's going to be it right there. <laughs> hey, I've, I've seen Chris I've seen Chris manage before, man. It's, oh. it's, it's pretty good. Man. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So yeah. I think he's still got it in there. Oh, oh Chris. no, I don't, I don't think so. The main thing that I did, not, not, not today. No, yeah. no, 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 not, not today. No one would understand. They, <laughs> they want to see something different than back in the um, mid to late nineties, early 2000s. Hey, Chris, traditions coming back, man. Every seven back. years, brother. Every seven, Every seven years, years, it's, it's a cycle. Back. It's okay. back. Every seven um, years, <laughs> it's all it's all different faces. You can recycle anything. Uh-huh. You can re- Every seven uh-huh. years, I'll That's keep it. that in mind. That's <laughs> it. Well, hey, but well, this has been, man, Corey. This has been really enlightening. I, I just want to tell you. I mean, um, I, I learned a lot tonight, man. I learned a lot I didn't even know. Uh, so, um, you know, I really appreciate you opening up because for a lot of people, it's, uh, not easy to open up, uh, some harder than others, some easier others for you. It seems very easy, very fluid. Um, and Hey, like I said, you seem like you came from the heart as well. And, uh, and not only heart, but, but, but real life stuff. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate it, and, and you brought a lot to the show this evening, and and, uh, and and some good food for thought for some, not only in the ring but also outside of the ring as well. Yeah, and, thank you. And I definitely see a part two of this of this podcast yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the most we could do a, we could do a part two without any like oh, yeah. any. Any hey, format. I've never in my life lost control of my podcast, <laughs> and, and but, but, we, but we did it. We did it. But but it was all fun. I enjoyed it, and uh, like I said, I appreciate everybody uh, listening in um, and uh, you know downloading our podcast on your on your favorite uh, podcast platform. Where our the podcast is worldwide. Uh, last week we had new listeners in Japan. So, uh, so my podcast is really it's getting over. As uh, Randy hit, as Randolph Hedrick used to say, it's over, damn it, you know, yeah. from the Roosies. Yep. Um, but, uh, but, it, but, it, but seriously, though, <laughs> it, 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 this was definitely a, a good time, and uh, and uh, I thank everybody. And uh, Corey, I, I can't wait to see what 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 the future holds for you and Chris. You. you too, man. I'm gonna see you probably uh, the next week or something. We will get together and uh, do another show and uh, rock it out. No, absolutely ready to rock and roll, and uh, we'll see what comes at us here. But, Corey, thank you, and love to have you. you back on any time, no invitation needed. Anytime. Hey, if, you, <laughs> if you just need somebody to come in and bullshit about Starcade 84 or, you know, a random right. show, you just let me – give me three hours' notice. Let me go back and watch it. I can give you some material. Oh, so. yeah, it, I, 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 I think when we get off the air, I'm going to have Starcade uh, 21 here. <laughs> 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 it'll be a it'll be a male versus female match. It wouldn't be my first. Oh, it's gonna be the the uh, the night of the door walkers, not the skywalkers, <laughs> the door walkers. I love it, night of the door walkers. That's great. All right, guys. Well, for Chris and Corey and Tony, uh, we'll see you guys next week on the Binge Buster Show. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform. 